0: And
1: now, introducing the man who still sounds like Kermit the Frog because of his debilitating allergies, the man who definitely needs a neti pot, and the man who definitely spent his night, entire night, yelling at his TV while viewing the Scripps Spelling Bee Contest and claiming he could have spelled Seninjectee, he
2: is Glenn Clark. Did you, um, did you see the video going around of, like, the new way that they're doing the spelling bee?
1: I did not see it. I uh, just heard that. Hang on a second. A kid from New Jersey uh, unfortunately could not spell Cenegexti. Ah, What a lame <laughs> it's, it's a tough one, right? What a lame ho It's a couldn't, tough one. What is it? Senegexte. Apparently, it has Seriously. no dictionary definition, but it's a real word, apparently.
2: Well, how does that work? I don't know, but it's, it's a thing, and he couldn't spell it. All right. I'm going to. It, do you, do you have your. E- on this computer. Okay. I want you to open up uh, your email because I'm going to send you a link to a tweet, and okay. then you're, you're going to play it over okay. the air. Hang on a second. This is—I I have no idea what this is. But they, apparently, <laughs> they done changed. They done changed the spelling bee a little bit. It ain't—it ain't your granddaddy's spelling bee. Mm, okay. There have been. It, it ain't—it ain't what I remember the spelling bee being. Now, in fairness, I've never actually watched the spelling bee, but I've oh. always seen the videos, like on Sports Center. They would always air. Sure. The the final like dramatic conclusion of the spelling bee. Apparently, because of that year when, like, seven people all tied, <laughs> they have made some changes. Have you gotten the email I just okay. got it, just now. All right. So, open up that tweet. Make sure that uh, the volume's uh, good to go. And then I want you to play this clip from Ion TV last night from the spelling bee that was shared by, um, oh, God, Timothy Timothy Burke, Bubba Prog, on Twitter. All right, we're ready? Yeah, I'm good. Nope, that's the music. word is... All right, we'll try that we'll one We'll try time. this again. Music is yeah, still going up there. We got to mute uh, iTunes. Or music, pause. Goes, music goes a long time. Pars Apple Music.
3: God, do I sound good?
1: Oh, we'll, do I sound good. We'll get this going. And just hit. Herbert is
3: Steelbone.
4: S P E A L B O N E.
3: Freeatophyte.
4: P H R E A T O P H Y T E.
3: Gaidiang. G
4: A Y D I A N G.
3: Parison.
4: P A R I S O N. Examer. E X C I M E R.
3: Tokia Tokia
4: TOQUILA
3: <laughs> Glocus
4: GLOCHIS
3: Apole Ma
4: EPAULEMENT Kara CHARA
3: Mayutic Mayutic
4: MAIEUTIC huh?
3: Calicothier
4: CHALICO
3: Teosinte.
4: TEOSINTE
3: Cicerari
4: SISCRANY
3: Akari.
4: A-K-O-R-E. Buakal. B-O-U-C-H-A-L.
3: Saccharose,
4: S-A-C-C-H-A-R-O-S-E.
3: Talisay,
4: T-A-L-I-S-A-Y.
3: Vesicate.
4: V-E-S-I-C-A-T-E. Semit. S-E-M-M-E-T.
2: I, I think everybody gets the point. Corpisco. You can go ahead and pause it. Wow. What is that? And, and honestly, I don't know if there's more pressure on the guy reading the words or the girl doing the spelling. Because, like... yeah. Now you better get them words out. If 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 this has become how many words can you spell in 90 seconds or whatever? If it's a lightning round, that dude better get them words out. My God! If he stumbles on a word, it could be the difference in whether or not someone wins or loses.
1: It's crazy. I, I'm, like I'm not. I'm not. It's cool, right? Like it's it's great that she knows how to spell that many words. But I, I'm just questioning how she got to know all of these words. I like, don't know. I don't who, know did someone just I mean, teach that,
2: her? That part has been like that forever where I've never understood. The, like, the words that I've never heard of that they all know how to spell. That's been like that for an eternity. They like, literally it, pull out a dictionary and just start learning everything. I was going to say, like, does
1: she sit around on a nice day and just read the dictionary and it's be like, oh, bonkers, this is how you spell Senna no, I mean,
2: she's probably she's probably going to do more for society than I am. I'm sure she events, will. Then me so. too. Me too. So there's that. Um, anyway, that was the spelling bee, and that got everybody all hot and bothered. Wow. Um, we've had a week. We've had a Zach week. Zach and I have had a week where things have not gone well.
1: That's very, very accurate.
2: And and we're going to add to it right now
1: because I just got a text. Not Nick Vespi.
2: Nick Vespi has been called up. Okay. Well, unfortunately, he's going to be in. Re- <laughs> he's going to be traveling to Baltimore and not available to make the call.
1: This is this is insane. We Glenn, had. Glenn. We have had a week. Man. Wow.
2: They've had a really weird. I
1: should have made a joke in the intro about how we can't get guests anymore god. because apparently that's.
2: I don't know what's happened. I mean, I, I don't. I don't know what there is. To well, say. I guess
1: you just broke the news of Nick Vespi being
2: called I, up. I, I, so that's I, I pretty cool. I hope I wasn't. Oh god, now I feel bad if I wasn't supposed to say that. <laughs> well, oh, I oh, mean, I just. I well, guess I guess I just kind of assumed that everybody knew that.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna check on that. Well, uh, we'll figure it out. Now I feel bad.
2: Now I feel bad. I might not have. It might be that I wasn't supposed it's to. say that. It's not his major league
1: debut. It's okay. No, it, it's not. Um, man.
2: So we were supposed to make our trip to Norfolk. That was twice postponed this week. And we finally nailed it down, and it was going to be Nick Vespi joining us this morning. But (laughs) that is not going to be the case. Is Dean Kramer available? (laughs) I I don't know. We'll deal with that another time. I'm sorry. We tried. We tried multiple times. It's just not going to happen. Uh, But we will chat here in a few minutes with Terry Hasseltine, the executive director of Maryland Sports. They've made a bunch of announcements recently. The Junior Olympics coming to Baltimore The CIAA tournament is sticking around for another few years. They've extended their agreement with the city of Baltimore. So I'm excited about all that. We'll talk about it with Terry Hasseltine. Uh, Also, we are within weeks of the announcement about the 2026 World Cup and whether or not Baltimore will be part of that. So we will discuss that with him as well. Later on in the show, our weekly MLB draft segment as RJ Anderson from CBSSports.com. He wrote a piece recently about what the Orioles may or may not do with the number 1 overall pick. We will chat with him about that. So all of that coming up this morning, but unfortunately not Nick Vespi. Apologies for <laughs> many of you, the millions wow. of you who tuned in tuned in specific. Oh god.
1: <laughs> Glenn, uh, I, you know, c- for Christmas this year I'm going to gift you a neti pot. I think you need one. I, it's torture, man. I
2: can't do it. It's it's like <sighs> yeah, it's like uh. it's like being waterboarded to me. I can't. I can't <laughs> yeah, do the neti pot. I, I I've tried so many things. Nasal sprays. I've tried some the net the neti pot, bro. I can't do it. It feels like I'm being waterboarded. I can't. I can't put myself through it. I, I just Oof. the moment yeah. that I go to do it, I'm like, no, nope, no, nope, nope, nope. I'm out. No thank you.
1: You're like Rachel and Friends when she can't put uh, eye
2: drops in her eyes. But you that's know, a little I, different. You know what's funny. <laughs> it's I a actually different. had a, an eye drop problem too when I was young. Oh, okay. I got a lot of got a lot of problems. <laughs> Can't get anybody to call into the show. Got a lot of problems.
1: I just eye-drop shamed (laughs) shamed Glenn (laughs) over here. Thanks a lot,
2: jerk. Uh, (laughs) Another problem I've got is Grayson Rodriguez. So let's talk about it. It is not the good news that we had hoped, or the better news that we had hoped that it was, based on what Andy Koska had tweeted. Apparently, there was also a cramp situation, but it was in his back. So there were two different things that were going on. Um, You know, what we had talked about yesterday is that once you start hearing the term strain, you almost fear that, like, it's the immediate path to Tommy John surgery. And that's not the nightmare that it was once upon a time, but it still ain't great. It's still not desirable. And I'm not trying to be dramatic. We don't know if Grayson Rodriguez is going to end up having Tommy John surgery, but... The kind of cryptic way that Mike Elias was discussing it, like, he's going to be out for a while at least. Yeah, it's a weird way to put it. sort of points you in the direction that, like, the best case scenario is it's a while. Mm-hmm. But we know there's a very practical scenario where it's even longer than that because it involves Tommy John surgery. Now, there's a couple of things that you, you, we have to point out. I certainly understand that it feels like the sky is falling. Those of you that were worried about Grayson Rodriguez being here two weeks ago, next week, the week after that, anytime in the next month, I, I'd said a million times. The story for me was always about next year with Grayson Rodriguez. At some point, I wanted him to be here this season. But we are, we're, we're letting ourselves get carried away by the fact that the Orioles don't stink the way that a lot of people thought they were going to stink. Mm-hmm. And we are not being realistic about what the priorities are. It's fun that they are more competitive than we expected them to be. But this was never the season. The likelihood is that next year was still kind of pushing it. But it was the first year that you could paint a picture and say, hey, there's an outside chance. There's a chance that if things go right... Grayson Rodriguez gets here this year, looks comfortable, looks ready to go to be a legitimate major league pitcher, you could start doing the math that next year, maybe, maybe, things could start falling in line. Right. If Grayson Rodriguez ultimately ends up needing Tommy John surgery, it, it becomes a bit more difficult to start I'm cons- not, uh- considering that.
1: I'm not sure how one correlates with the other, though. What do you mean? Why is his injury uh, a precursor to Tommy John, is my question.
2: It's not necessarily. It's just the cryptic way that Mike Elias discussed it. Like, I can't shake that. Okay. That it's he, he didn't define, like, it felt like he was saying, and maybe Tommy John, maybe it's something else, maybe it's another type of surgery, mm-hmm. right? It felt like what he was saying was way more along the lines of, At best, it's going to be a while... But we think there's a scenario that's worse than that. So where is the
1: lat? It's right behind your shoulder, correct? Like, uh, Right below? I believe that's true, but and I'm also... I'm, okay. not,
2: I'm not... I've got to be honest with you. I did not go to medical school. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so uh, Michael Elias said that there was no rotator cuff damage. Right. And that he, right. he avoided a, a bigger injury there, which is great. I don't know how a back injury would really feed into Tommy John, but then again, when you hear someone you know present a cryptic message in the way Michael Elias that, did not say... That's the part. That's hey, the part. Right, I, I don't right. know anything
2: about medicine i know nothing about medicine i know nothing about how the body works i sure as hell don't know how my body works (laughs) <laughs> if I did, I might be able to talk. Fix the sinuses, sure. Yeah, but, that'd be really swell.
1: Yeah, well, if that's all Grayson Rodriguez had, we'd be, we'd be uh, pretty pleased oh, right it now. Oh, would be the
2: greatest thing ever.
1: Right. I, I There could be some kind of surgery. I mean, I, I think if the lat is under your shoulder, right. then it could be some kind of shoulder in, uh, injury that could turn into surgery that would be a lot bigger of a deal than what it is now. That, that That's a possibility that I I'm trying, to, I'm I'm I trying think... to
2: pull up this quote again, just so okay. I, I read it the right way. He
1: said he's going to be out for a decent amount of time at least. I think that was the exact quote. And that's a very, very... Like you say, cryptic it's message. Very cryptic, which is which is on par for Mike Elias because that's the way he's always been. There's
2: to some extent that's true, but if you just if he's going to be out for a decent amount of time, you could just leave it at that. True, feeling the need to throw in another yeah. qualifier, yeah. another qualifier, and you're right. I, I and I, I do. It's wrong for me to immediately say Tommy John surgery. That's wrong. I mean, it just feels like he's saying, "We know that now." Maybe what he's saying is there's the possibility that even if he could pitch again, we're just going to choose not to. Mm-hmm. Like, that mm-hmm. might be what the at least part of it means. Not surgery, but there's a scenario we just say, we're shutting him down for the rest of the year right. to allow him more time. Right? Maybe that's the cryptic at least that he was throwing in there. But the at least really jumped off the page at me. Right. I mean, it, it, sorry, go ahead. No, don't know. No, it's okay it it jumped off the page at me as hey there might be something worse here. Yeah. I the double qualifier feels like there's an amount of unknown still that that could be yeah, more problematic.
1: I think the way Michael Elias avoids questions is excellent. He's gone to that school of avoiding questions and he's gotten very good at it. And because later on in the inter- in the interview someone said, you know, when is is Grayson Rodriguez going to pitch for the Orioles this year? Could it have been possible that he would have been up in the next few weeks right. had this injury not happened? And Michael Elias said, Well, the timing of this thing stinks. Right. Which like, is not really an answer to the question. Incredibly vague answer. Yes. Right.
2: That 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 to me I separate from what the answer that he gave to this question. The answer that he gave to this question all you gotta do is say he's gonna be out for a decent amount of time. That's broad enough. Right. Like right. that. You're not tying yourself down to anything. A decent amount of time could be two, three weeks. That's a decent amount of time. A decent amount of time could be six months. A decent amount of time is a broad stroke to brush with. You are leaving yourself all sorts of flexibility by using that. The feeling, the need to put in a secondary qualifier to what was already a broad, undefinable answer, (laughs) like... Doesn't give you a lot of confidence, does I, it? I, I, I can't feel good. No. I, I can't feel right now like there's any reason for me to think that it's really not that bad. I'm not again, I, I'm I'm trying to not be speculative and I'm trying not to be, but I just boy the way he answered that question.
1: Well it's hard not to be because when he when he says something like that, your mind immediately goes to kind cuz
2: Rock said it was at a, at the minimum which is the same thing. I heard at least. That's what I believe he said. R- Rock Rock quoted. Okay. He's going to miss a decent amount of time at the minimum. Still means the same thing, yeah. But it's, it's the same concept, right? Whatever it is, it's still a double it's a double He's qualifier. doubling
1: down on the statement if he of He just <laughs> said
2: he's going to miss a decent amount of time. Right. Nobody's tying him to anything. Nobody's saying, right. well if he's not back in a month, what the hell's going on? Right. Remember that was sort of the Adley Rutchman thing where we were like, anybody to talk about the fact that it's been
1: Way more than. F- like, what we were they talking said, about this yeah. as like
2: a three week thing, and all of a sudden we're at six weeks and we haven't heard anything at all. Right. He didn't tie down to anything. Like he didn't tie down to any sort of number whatsoever. And yet he still felt the need to put in another qualifier mm-hmm. of at the least. And that's the. Or at the minimum, sorry. At the minimum. Sure. Or at least, whatever it was. <laughs> and that's the part that I just. That was unnerving to me. The unnerving part was the second qualifier. You're right. I, I it's it's wrong for me to say Tommy John surgery because that doesn't make sense. But something that there's something sure. else that you're concerned about. That right now there's a best case scenario, and the best case scenario is still a while. Is still right. you're not seeing Grayson Rodriguez anytime soon. But we fear there might be a worst case scenario, and the worst case scenario is somehow even worse then you're not seeing Grayson Rodriguez anytime soon.
1: Right, I mean, Tommy John generally means eighteen months, and I doubt it will be as long as this because right. that's about the longest injury you can have when it comes to baseball. But a, a back injury, Still a shoulder 18 injury. Months?
2: Why do I feel like it's not been eighteen uh, months for everybody of late? I don't. Maybe
1: they're rushing them back a little yeah. bit quicker than they have in the past. But I know that that's an injury that generally takes well over twelve, um, well over a year. They're out for you know this season, next season, and more, and that's kind of where it where it starts to become. Uh, but for a shoulder injury. Obviously, that's equally concerning. I mean, John Means, I believe, had a shoulder injury last year. That yep. kept him out for uh, an extended period of time. So if this is anything similar to that, we could be looking at six, seven months. And I don't want to say – I hate to say it because you want to see this guy you know, pitch for the Orioles this year. But the, the fact is, is I'm seeing that as kind of unlikely.
2: I keep coming back to it's not about this year. It was never about this year. Yeah. But the part that makes it stink – was you still wanted to see him get here this year right? and show you the signs that he could be an upper part of the rotation pitcher next year. Right. Go through whatever struggles he's going to go through. Right. Whenever he gets here, work through that, get comfortable facing major league hitters, and whenever he got shut down, you would feel as though next year you could have an amount of confidence in him being at least a middle-of-the-rotation major league pitcher. Mm-hmm. This really dampens that, because presumably if he doesn't pitch at all the rest of the season, and we don't know that yet, but if that proves to be the case, the innings thing becomes a huge problem again. Yeah. yeah. Part of what you wanted to accomplish this year and what we've been talking about this week is ramping him past 100 innings, is getting him to wherever you're going to get him, 150, 160, something along those lines, so that next year you believed he could pitch 200 innings. Well, if he doesn't ramp up to that number, if this is it, it's hard to fathom you going directly to 200 innings next year. No, no. It's really hard.
1: That can't happen. That's not even... I, I don't think that's in the, the book of possibilities at the moment I for wouldn't, them. I wouldn't think. It just that's... Again, with the way the Orioles have been so careful and the way the Orioles have approached everything slowly and they've taken everything just incredibly... Slowly is the word for it again... Grayson Rodriguez is not a guy that they're going to immediately throw in there for 200 innings. They, they would go, he's going to pitch, what, 56 this year if he doesn't pitch again?
2: If he doesn't pitch again, yeah, that sounds about right. It's right? like 56-ish. Check, yeah.
1: And, you know, next year maybe he throws 115, maybe at the max. I mean, I, I can't see it being more than that. He's thrown 104 innings, I think, at the tops in his career, somewhere around there. It's it's just disheartening, I guess, is is the word for it, because they've been so high on the guy, and and fans were so excited for him to be here and then you see an injury that Michael Elias says will be out for a decent time at least it's just it's disheartening um and it's it's I, definitely throws a wrench in your plans for
2: next year and again we have to be careful there is of course when you leave it as open ended as this there is the possibility it is a, a best case scenario when he could maybe pitch again sure. before the season is over and perhaps you know could pitch for the better part of the months of like if the plan was to shut him down and for at labor day Maybe if he can get back in late August and just pitch in September, then makes a couple of rehab starts at AAA, and he gets to make four or five starts in the bigs at the end of the year. Ideally, there's still a scenario where something like that happens, but we can't pretend like it isn't a serious, this is the second most important part of the rebuild working. And someone might argue... Weirdly that it's more important than Adley Rutschman I just because is. of yeah. the lack of depth of pitching yeah. that the Orioles have within the system. This puts a lot more pressure on D.L. Hall. This puts a lot more pressure on Kyle Bradish. frankly. The, trying to figure out where your pitching is going to come from, if in any way it's no longer a guarantee. Look, you hope that Grayson Rodriguez comes out of this and he is just fine whenever he ends up pitching again and the talent is all still there. He's not at all impacted by the injury, yeah. and this is nothing but a blip on the radar. It, that, that, again, threw off maybe the timeline a bit mm-hmm. for both Grayson and maybe the Orioles, but ultimately n- not really all that much of a problem. But it also maybe leads the Orioles back to a conversation they have to have in turn. And this is the, uh, this is the part that, as I've remained patient, there does become a point at which you watch what's going on and say, do we need to alter some decisions? And I don't know if this offseason was likely to be the time where they were going to start spending any real money. Right. No. But if, if things continue to go well as far as the lineup is concerned, if Adley Rutschman comes to life in the next couple of months, looks like the star we think he's supposed to be, if, Austin Hayes continues to rip the cover off the ball all season long. If, if, you, if you start looking at this and saying, hey, you know, we're pretty close to having a, an order that can compete, a lineup that can compete. And back up the pitching sufficiently, yeah. Then it, I, have, I have not been critical of the Orioles not spending money because I've said I get it why what is why spend five million dollars more for one more guy to pitch every fifth day right. if the results don't really matter but the results gonna need to start mattering soon right and if you have any question marks about Grayson Rodriguez and it's hard to present a scenario where going into next year you don't it might be time for us to start demanding that you match the effort of the rebuild with the willingness to spend more money,
1: we'll I, see. I I agree wholeheartedly. I I think that the Orioles have to kind of find that balance of free agents they bring in trades and who they're bringing up from the farm system. But I remember a few years ago, I can't remember if it was D, or, or not Dia Hall, but um, Keith, uh, Keith Law <laughs> is what I was trying to say there. Um, or Dan Connolly, who wrote about the Orioles' uh, pitching depth being somewhat limited uh, behind Grace Rodriguez and Dia Hall. And I'm trying to remember who it was, just it was someone from The Athletic, one of those two. And a lot of people attacked those, those articles because they said, you know, they've got John Pinto and Zach Peake and all these guys that are down there. And that's true. That's all fine and good. But the fact is, is that there are very little premium talents behind guys like Grayson Rodriguez and Hall that are in the minors. And that's simply fact right like it's it's zach
2: peak could be fine yep. but is he
1: going to be a frontline starter probably it's, it's, not it's at hard. this point
2: it, you certainly can't plan around it right that, it's it's sort of what we i say this about a lot of guys it, it's fine to believe that there's maybe a bit more there than like a, a year ago i was sort of talking about it was almost doom and gloom mm-hmm. right like I, I know Connolly wrote a big piece about it for the athletic that, that's okay it Dan it, Connolly, it, yeah. it, it's just not there like there's just not the pitching right and when i would bring that up i would get a little bit of pushback, you know, Kyle and Paul later would say, well, you're not thinking about, you know, you, you bring up some of these names. And I'm like, I, I have no problem saying these guys could turn out to be major league pitchers. Mm-hmm. My issue is planning around it. Right. My issue is making decisions about what you're doing based in the idea that someone else might become John Means in the future. Right. And that's a bad plan. You can't make the decisions that you make for an organization on hopes and dreams. You can't say, well, we really hope that, you know, Zach Peek, whoever it sure. is, Pinto, whoever you want to say, can become a quality major league pitcher. Well, nobody's scouting them that way. Right? They're right. not saying it's impossible. They're saying there's some talent there, but nobody's scouting and saying, this guy is a surefire Right. Top of the line major league pitcher,
1: and it's fair to say that there's no organization out there who has ever had you know multiple number one quality pitchers in their organization. I mean that's just kind of well, I mean unlikely to ever happen. And I get that, and that and that's the argument people make. But I'm saying that look, the Orioles are going to have to compete in 2023. Is is kind of where we're headed, right? Like that's they're at least going to try to be a better baseball team and try to maybe you know search for a wild card spot or whatever it is. And without Grayson Rodriguez now being in that equation, maybe at least for the first month or so, if that's the case, you're not going to have the pitching that's needed to get there, in my opinion. I mean, look, the pitching has gotten a lot better this year, but we've certainly seen it regress in some categories um, from where it was in the beginning of the season, and simply for the fact that um, these guys are not is talented as guys like Grace Rodriguez. That's I mean, fact. that's that's the way it is, right? I mean, Spencer Watkins he had a fir- you know a couple good starts yep. to, to start his year, and he went downhill from there because that's what we expect Look, guys I, like Spencer I hope Watkins to Tyler do. Tyler
2: Wells is rewriting his reality within the yeah. Orioles system. The way that I hope that Bruce Zimmerman was to start the season. The yeah. blooms come off that rose, um, but I hope that what we're seeing from Tyler Wells is Tyler Wells making a John Meansian. Yeah. Um, Jump and and moving into a place where he can become part of the solution, yeah. moving forward. But can I bank on that? No. Can the guy. Remember, the guy whose record he broke for the fewest walks was Josh Towers. <laughs> yeah. How did it work out for Josh Towers? And I'm not trying to be dismissive of it or say that means nothing. It's relevant. We've but he, to be he didn't have a long career behind. in Baltimore, right? I'm saying it's not a guarantee that Tyler Wells becomes Josh Cowers. This might really be a sign that Tyler Wells can become a high-level... I think it was one of their remotes. Um, a high-level major league pitcher. But I don't... It's The sample size is too small right. for me to say that with any amount of confidence. Could he be? Maybe. Sure. Can I assume that? Can I make decisions that are predicated on that? Right. Well, that would be reckless. That would be insane. I do wonder how this might have to change the decision-making process for the Orioles. I do wonder if they might be forced.
1: Well, I think I think it's relevant that, and people talk about Houston so much, and connect them to the Orioles over and over again, and that's been the, the argument for a lot of people, is that, oh, well, Houston didn't really grow that many great homegrown pitchers when they right. were on the World Series, but I went, yeah, but they went out and got Justin Verlander. In 2017. I mean, Justin Verlander pitched to they, a 1.06 ERA for the Astros in
2: 2017. But they knew, they, they were far closer when yeah, they made yeah, that move enough. than the Orioles are right now. I'm just, you know I'm, I mean? I'm
1: saying that the comparison is contingent upon the Orioles getting a guy like Justin Verlander, though. Because Justin Verlander, I mean, he was, he put them over the edge. But he, my
2: my question was, did they sign any pitchers before that? Uh, that's a great question. I that's like, that did, the, the, did in the 2015-2016 the offseason... Did they sign a pitcher? I I mean when before you're there, mm-hmm. they signed Verlander because they knew they had everything together. Yeah. They needed something to put them over the top. I'm talking about a scenario where you don't know. You're not one pitcher away from winning a World Series. It's more we need to close the gap on competition. Yeah. We need to close the gap on being able to take the next step in this process. And you and I'm not, I, I'm not even saying it's the equivalent of a Justin Verlander. It's just more than, it's, more than, it's something between Jordan Lyles and Justin Verlander, right? Sure, sure. It's, yeah. Jordan Lyles wasn't really signing a pitcher. It was, let's just add a guy to the mix. I, I'm talking about doing something that's between those two things. I don't know. And we'll monitor this for the coming months. But we can't pretend like this isn't a massive moment in the context of what it is the Orioles are trying to do. Today's show also brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Boy, we haven't even talked about the uh, Game 1 of the Finals. We'll get to that later on. If you want to be there for Game 2 on Sunday night, email events at sportssocialmd.com. It is the best place to be. 61 self-service kiosks for you to get your bets in. If you want to bet on the French Open Finals this weekend, again, the best place to be is the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, Maryland. As those self-service kiosks are open 24-7. So, even before the sports book opens, you can get in tomorrow and Sunday morning and make your bets. A couple of big announcements recently uh, about one, a brand new event, and the other, an extension of event that came to Baltimore this year. And we know there's this World Cup thing that's still lingering. We always love catching up with our next guest. He is the executive director of Maryland Sports, he's our friend, Mr. Terry Hassel. Tied on his back with us now here on GCR terry it's glenn it's good to talk to you sir thank you as always for taking the time for us oh no my pleasure thank you for having me i always love talking to you about good news that's that's the thing that i like doing with you is good news <laughs> and uh, we got some good news right I, and let me start with the CIAA tournament um you know the, the arena is changing and it's going to look completely different and i was talking to frank remish recently and he said look it's not going to be about, like, sports tenants. They're going to be in there for 100 dates a year or 50 dates a year. It's going to be an events building. Yeah. And this is the type of event that seems as though it's going to continue to be able to provide a great deal for this community. And this seems to be a huge win, you guys being able to extend this agreement with the CIAA.
5: Oh, it's, been a, it's, a, it's a huge victory for the city of Baltimore. It's a huge uh, victory for the state of Maryland. And all of the partners that helped bring it together, the, um, the leadership of Al Hutchinson and the team at Visit Baltimore for having the vision of you know the CIAA coming to Baltimore. You know, Commissioner McWilliams is just she's such a dynamo. Um, she's she's been really good energy. You know, in a time in which we needed some good energy. Um, and then you have our partners down at Bowie State and Lincoln University who have you know stepped up to you know, make sure that the leadership is there from Dr. Bro and her team, um, and, and the like. So, you know, not only is the event great economically for the city, but it's also great from a cultural perspective, you know, the interconnection, you know, the multi, multiple venues they use throughout the downtown area, the amount of guests that come in. You know, I remember, you know, the host of the event this, this year for the first time coming off of a, still, you know, coming off still in the pandemic mode and, you know, delivered great results, um, great partnership and we look forward to having those additional years added onto the contract and like I said to you know the group the other day I mean I hope this extends well beyond just the
2: additional couple years that we built this as a a staple for the city of Baltimore for many years to come. Terry can you tell me any more about what the economic impact of the first one ended up being and you know you speak to the idea that hey if, if that's what we did in the midst of a pandemic imagine what more it could be in the future years yeah
5: i mean you're talking about an event that generated you know close to 20 million dollars um an economic impact for the city um you brought in guests from all over the eastern seaboard um with it being in baltimore a lot of you know allowed us to tap into some of the you know northern cities you know that you know otherwise might not have you know gotten down into one of the southern tier cities when it's hosted there um but the economic spin was in in, in, in around the uh, the twenty million dollar mark, and that was, like I said, that was in a COVID impacted year, so it just means that we can up we can upscale. You know, obviously the the, the buildings getting an adjustment where the you know basketballs played, but then the convention center and the pep rally and the you know the, the dance um, events and the job fair and the academic curriculum that goes along with it. So it's a week-long festival of student-athlete and athlete experiences as well as the you know the common fan can get a chance to be exposed to some great HBCU basketball as well as all the cultural experiences that go along with the event. So it might be anchored around basketball, but however, it's so much more than that.
2: Can you give me an idea at all, Terry, about, you know, as I brought up what it was that Frank Remish was telling me, have you started to get any sort of sense of what is going to be legitimate as far as other sporting events that could be part of the renovated arena
5: well you know with the renovation it allows us to be in you know deeper conversations with um the ncaa on maybe early round you know events um everything from you know wrestling um to early round basketball to Having conversation with a lot of the national governing bodies of the Olympic movement, like gymnastics um, and, and and the like, because we now will have a building that you know has some will have the amenities that a lot of these groups are looking for to entertain clients and guests you know when they're here. you know yes, the seating bowl is important, but you have to have those specialty spaces yep. that you know the 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 college presidents want or the organization needs from a corporate sponsorship perspective, et cetera. So it just is going to create a gateway to being able to have conversations that, you know, until now we, you know, like I said, the CIWA was really proud of the building and how we transformed it. However, you know, to do that, you know, 15, 20 times a year, that that's, you know, that's not an easy thing to do. But if you have the built-in assets which the building will now have, you know, you can pursue those events and you can do these things, you know, the 15, 20 times a year and really bring, you know a a bigger sports portfolio but it also allows you know frank and team to also you know at the concert level and at the yep. entertainment level to you know now go after acts that they might not have been able to pursue because of the lack of you know entertainment
2: hospitality you know function space he is Terry Hasseltine the executive director of Maryland Sports he's with us here on Glenn Clark Radio Terry tell me about the Junior Olympics and I, and I have to acknowledge before you guys made the announcement I didn't know what the Junior Olympics were, but it seems like this is also, I say this all the time, just because I don't know about it doesn't mean it's not a really big deal that can do a lot for our community. So tell me about the Junior oh, it, Olympics and what it's going to mean.
5: Well, the Junior Olympics uh, is a huge announcement. You know, we obviously announced that we're going to be hosting the AAU Junior Olympics in 28 and 32. Um, it is the largest youth multi-sporting event event in the United States and potentially the world. Um, We're talking 18 plus thousand athletes converging on on Baltimore. The biggest event is track and field, but there are eight to nine other sports that'll be added in, you know, to the junior Olympics um, over the course of 11 days of competition, everything from, you know, tumbling and trampoline to, um, you know, mixed, mixed martial arts, um, judo and taekwondo and in those type of sports, as well as volleyball and potentially basketball you know, you bring that all together under uh, the roof of, you know, the convention center and some other facilities across um, the city, but the track and field is the anchor component of the Junior Olympics, and we'll be hosting that at the on the campus of Morgan State University. You know, because it's Olympic year, you're going to be talking about, you know, right now we're talking anywhere between 11 to 13,000 track athletes converging on the city alone, and the other sports will make up the additional, you know, um, folks coming to town, and then for every athlete, you're talking about anywhere from 2.5 to 3.5 people per athlete coming with them. Holy smokes. So you're, add, you're adding on another thirty to almost 40,000 additional people. You're talking about an event that will be in excess of $59 million of economic impact to the city. And like I said, and we're doing it over the Olympic year, so we all know when the Olympics, when the global Olympics happen, the the, the vigor of you know future athletes comes alive as well. And the fact that we got 28 and 32 under our belt, um, that's going to be huge for the city. It's going to connect our young people in the city who might not have had the chance to experience um, the Junior Olympics, you know, in Greensboro or out in Des Moines, Iowa or down in Houston, Texas. They'll now be competed in their backyard. So we now know that we're opening the gateway for Maryland athletes to have an experience on a world-class level at the Junior Olympics. And our partnership with the AU is only getting stronger and
2: stronger as the, the days go on. Terry, is the infrastructure all already in place for those events, or will there need to be some new venues, new, you know, is there still anything that still has to come? We were talking about something that's still, what, five, six years down the road. Um, yeah. do, do, do we need to do anything infrastructure-wise to be able to host these events?
5: No, because um, what you're looking at is obviously Morgan has a world-class track, you know, Mondo Surface. Um, they host, you know, some great events. We hosted the USA Track and Field um, JO track event back in 2012, um, really successful on that event. Um, the infrastructure that will be built in the convention center, that's obviously temporary. However, the other assets are out there, everything from college campuses, you know, gymnasiums to... You open spaces, so there won't won't have to be any new construction to host the um, the games. However, there will be temporary builds like putting basketball courts or volleyball courts in the convention center, okay. that type of stuff. Okay. But that's commonplace.
2: Okay. All right. Yeah, that's stuff that you guys have done for other events before, Yeah. Right? That, that makes all the sense in the world. Um, okay, well, there's still this other thing that's sort of lingering, <laughs> uh, Terry, and it's the one that I'll admit I'm starting to – I'm starting to sweat over because I hope you know just exactly how much money the Clark family is prepared to lose uh, <laughs> buying World Cup tickets. Like yes. We are prepared to... Um, my my sons might not be able to go to college uh, after this happens. Yes. I, I know we are on the cusp of this. Yep. I know you don't... You're waiting as anxiously as the rest of us, probably more anxiously than the rest of us are waiting. How have you felt about Everything that the now baltimore d c you know combined bid has done to put the best foot forward to be a host for the twenty twenty six world cup
5: well I think um, i I feel very confident uh, speaking with you today that um, the moves that we've made as Baltimore City and the state of Maryland you know in pursuing the World Cup have been strategic they have been well placed, and then when you take the nation's capital. You know brand equity and you know and the recognition that they have globally you know outside of the United States and you merge the two together, you got a one two punch there that's pretty darn awesome. And you know the way it's laying out right now is all the football related action would happen here in Baltimore. So matches and training would happen in in the the portfolio that we put forward um, to FIFA as well as the, a lot of the lodging and you know various you know hospitality components that go along with the World Cup and then D.C. with that natural infrastructure and the fact that this is a June-July event, you know, it's the 250th anniversary of our nation that year. They they were already planning a big party to celebrate that. Now we bring it together under the umbrella of FIFA. You just, you know, magnify that times three or four. And, you know, you're talking about a region um, between, you know, D.C. all the way up through Baltimore and to um, um, our counties to the north, you're talking about a significant impact to this environment. You're talking excess of, you know, 400 to $800 million um, and then some. You know, we're looking at teams calling this place home for, you know, 30-plus days. It's also the largest World Cup event, you know, in history. It'll be a 48-team right. tournament for the right. first time. So this place will be a buzz. Yes, you're not alone, Len. You yeah. know, the hasseltine family, too, will be um, – you know, might have a little different access just because of the road. Yeah, playing right. it, but um, yeah. no, it's really we, fun. Uh, Terry. Uh, on, you know, maybe having to put, take out a second mortgage on the house <laughs> and and yeah. doing some of that stuff to for the amount of family and friends that are going to want to come in and, and and be a part of something that you know that you know we've all worked on together. But um, you know, Glenn, this is going to be a tremendous time period for the city of Baltimore and the state of Maryland when they announced on June 16th that. You know, Washington D.C. and Baltimore, Maryland, collaboratively have been awarded
2: the World Cup. I mean, I am I I, I might throw a one-man parade when it happens. I'm <laughs> telling you, Terry. I, I might I, buy a ticket to that. I want to do that. <laughs> I made the joke. If it's Cameroon, Martinique, I don't care. I'll pay a thousand dollars for the ticket. Like I, the opportunity to experience the biggest sporting event in the world in my hometown. I like it. Just gives me goosebumps, man. Like it yeah. just I thinking about it makes me emotional um it's it's overwhelming the possibility that's in front of us so i'm i but i don't care i don't care what the price is i will be paying it and my two boys will be there with me and we'll be experiencing the magic of the world cup the moment that it happens
5: well i think you'll be experiencing the the, i think you should get ready um start doing whatever paperwork you need to do (laughs) um i don't want to sound overly confident or whatever because obviously you know, decision day is June 16th, and we're going to be waiting along with you know everybody else. You know, the 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 program is from five to six. You know, on on Fox on uh, on Fox Sports, um, the announcement will happen during that five to six you know time frame. You know, FIFA then will do a a a press event, I'm sure. But um, we ask that our our everybody in, in Baltimore, Maryland, be tuned into that show um, and be ready to get out in the streets and you know fireworks and the whole nine yards yeah, we're we're fired up you know about the possibility glenn and um you know but we got to keep our head down and make sure we keep moving everything forward in the right direction you know us in dc are meeting regularly to start you know fine tuning this orchestration of the collaboration but um you know we feel that we've now put both of our best foots forward
2: by by coming together to tell people that we really want this in the capital region uh, we are, and, and again, I know a lot of people pointed out it's the 250th birthday of our country, and so what that could mean in D.C. for their events, and then the matches here. Ah, uh, uh,
6: whew. All right, anyway, yeah. i got
2: I got to calm down a little bit, Terry. I got. It, it, it's
5: all going to be good stuff, and then, you know, right now, just so you know, while I'm sitting here, I have um, our friends with the Maryland Cycling Classic in yep. town putting the final touches on what will be a great, you know, pro series race on September 4th. You know, 2022, over the Labor Day weekend, Um, the route has been publicized. It's out there, you know, traversing mileage up in Baltimore County and then coming in multiple circuits into the city. Uh, It is the highest level um, cycling event in North America in 2022, so we're really stoked about that as well.
2: It's going to be a hell of a Labor Day weekend. And by the way, I, I just happened to see this. Did you guys have anything to do? Did I see that there's a PBR event in Ocean City this weekend? Like there's a pro bull riders event going on? I, you know, it's it's interesting. I think I saw the
5: same, but I can't confirm. It's not um, so. It's
2: not something that, that you guys have had anything to do with. I, I like that jumped. up I'm like, wow, that seems like a kind of a big deal. Or, I, I don't know. Not my yeah. world, but that seems like kind of
5: a big deal for them down there. You
2: know, periodically, you know,
5: in all fairness, when some things do make it in the state, and you know, our hands aren't touching it, but okay. um, it's few and far between. I know, I know that's true.
2: I know that's true. All right, uh, what can we plug, Terry? What? Where do you want people, what do you want people to follow? Where do you want people to be checking in for more information? Get all the plugs in for me.
5: Oh, man, you've got a, a thousand in one place you can go there. You can go to MarylandSports.us. You can go to SportCorpMaryland.us. You can go to MarylandCyclingClassic.us. You can go to MarylandFiveStar.us. Um, you can go, um, you know, on our social tags, they're all basically the same as what I just, you know, prescribed. You can go on to Baltimore, MD 2026. and find out everything about the World Cup. You know that obviously will be transitioning over the next period of time. But you know if you're out there and you want to support, you know our nonprofit arm, which is the uh, the Maryland Sport and Entertainment Corporation of Maryland. Um, I said that backwards. It's the Sport and Entertainment Corporation of Maryland at at, at you know and you know it's a nonprofit that is you know is behind putting these these efforts together on the large scale and. You know, we're always looking for good sponsors. We're obviously looking for good partners out there. So, you know, if you're interested, you know, give me a call or get online and drop me a note.
2: Love it. Love it, man. Uh, Terry Hasseltine, I always like talking about good news with you. Let's pop some champagne bottles here in a couple of weeks. All right. Thank I you. I look
5: forward to it. I can tell you the night of the 16th, I'm hoping there's a lot of uh, corks
2: popping. No doubt, man. Thank you, Terry. always appreciate you. Let's talk soon. All right. Soon. Thank All right. you now. Terry Hasseltine, Executive Director of Maryland Sports. Checking in with us here on GCR. Brian Powell just sent me a picture. I don't know if he's down in Ocean City or he just found it on Twitter. They're legitimately, in the parking lot of the inlet, Inlet, they have set up a pro bull riding arena.
1: Greatest thing I've ever seen. That's amazing. That's awesome.
2: There's a legitimate, I don't don't know enough about the pro bull riding tour. Sure. To know like. (laughs) There's a tour. There is. No. I, I, and I know that because. You know more than me. There used to be a. St- when I worked in Phoenix, there was a stop in Glendale where the okay. Coyotes, well, where the Coyotes used to play mm-hmm. in that arena. And one year, they invited us to come out and, like, be a part of it. And we really thought they were going to put us on a bull. Like, we thought wow. that's what we were going there to do. And I was terrified. And we I found out, be. like, no 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 they can't do that they can't just quit. (laughs) it's not a thing they can do so i mean we like they had us put on some of the gear and all that sort of stuff and go through and it was it was fun it was a it was a fun thing hanging around those guys and i actually went i had a cousin in town and like they had offered us tickets to the event i was like do you want to go watch the bull riders (laughs) And, and she was like yeah, what the heck? What else are we gonna do?
1: When I was in Vegas uh, in April, there was a mechanical bull in my hotel, and I was well, that's really, a much different thing. really tempted. I know, but have like, you ever
2: done it? They like at the. I have never done it, and what, I what I, is that? It's a PBR bar, right in in Baltimore. I, I've heard about that. Yeah.
1: I I really should go to that and ride the mechanical bull. I think I'd do all right. I think I'd do all right. I did it
2: once. They I don't know if they still do, but they used to have a mechanical bull at the State Fair, and I did it there. One okay. Year after uh, after a few beers and. <laughs> I did okay. I think that's I the only way to do it, right? I mean, oh. I think you have to be a little bit. I mean, if you go to the the bar that I was referring to, oh, yeah. it's nothing but just the drunkest people on the planet getting <laughs> on that
1: thing. Well, might have to try it out. Yeah,
2: but Brian Powell uh, confirms there is cool. legitimately a... I, I, I don't know any of the details of it. And as Terry Hasselt time pointed out, it's, it's not in connection to Maryland sports and tourism, which is typically involved with almost anything sports-wise that yeah, happens yeah. in the States. So... I don't know any of the details, but right now, also, by the way, not great if you're going down to Ocean City this weekend and you're looking to park. <laughs> like, not <laughs> ideal. It is taking up a good bit of that parking lot. Um, but uh, a cool thing that's happening in Ocean City this weekend. The pro bull riders are down there. All right. Um, again, if you missed it, unfortunately, Nick Vespi won't be able to join us, and I definitely was not supposed to say why <laughs> he wasn't able to join us. But um, what I can tell you, Rock Kabatko reports. This is correct. Source confirms Orioles recalling Nick Vespi from AAA Norfolk, bringing his zero ERA back to Baltimore.
1: Well, there you go.
2: So that's. I didn't say anything.
3: Rock Kabatka.
1: <laughs> Wait, so someone. Okay, I'm putting the pieces together here. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out how this happens. I, I don't know. I don't know. I hope I'm not going to get. In this guy on me. Twitter feels like he just broke, you know.
2: I mean, yeah, this guy, guy feel, named The Road Dude. This guy probably feels very cool who, right now. Who may or may not have been listening to the show.
1: I'm going to say it was probably about a 97% chance. I don't know. I don't
2: know. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. I don't. I feel very bad. Definitely, literally, five minutes later, got the text. Hey, please don't say anything. Like, ah, uh, oops. oops. Oopsie daisies. So I, hopefully nobody... Hopefully nobody that matters will go back and listen and realize that I, I It'll screwed be up. Okay. It'll be I okay. I screwed up, and I'm very sorry I screwed Imagine up.
1: Imagine if you were the one who broke Adley Rutschman's debut. like yeah, just By, by <laughs> pure accident. You were supposed like, to have him on the show, uttering. and they were like, he's getting called up. Oh, he's getting I feel called like up today. I
2: feel like there was something else that we – oh, God, there are a couple of stories. One, there was a story – we've definitely had listeners. Uh, when Dominic Foxworth tore his ACL – we had a listener call in who said something like, hey, did you hear that Fox weren't, because remember it was like the first day of training camp. Um, did you hear Fox went down yesterday? And it, I believe it was not during a practice that was open to the media yet. And mm-hmm. We were like, no, nah, we didn't hear anything. He's like, yeah, dude, he's got a torn ACL. Oh. And we were like, we're on the air. And we're like, okay, man, well, we can't, we don't know that, so you know, <laughs> it, we'll try to get some information. Gotta pretend like and, we didn't hear that. <laughs> and like, I want to say Eric was listening that morning it was when Drew and I were still together doing mornings over on the old station that doesn't exist any longer. And I want to say Eric just happened to be listening and was like, yeah, he was right. I don't know who it was, but he was <laughs> right. And we're like, oh, all
1: right. By the way, it looks like the road dude was ahead <coughs> of us. Because oh, we, really? Well, he, he tweeted that 56 oh, minutes ago. Yeah, at 9.53 a.m. Right, That's a so good we, point. Yeah, yeah. He,
2: did, he scooped us.
1: Scooped us. I wow.
2: guess we, we <laughs> could have known before I, I, we told everybody man. that Nick Vesby was going to be on the show. We could have. We could have been able to. Too bad. That's a real bummer. It's a bummer. We were looking forward to that. A lot to talk about with Nick Vespey. But um, we have not yet had a chance to talk about Game 1, so we're going to do that. RJ Anderson from CBSSports.com is going to join us to talk some MLB draft. A lot of you want me to talk about what Diana Russini said on ESPN yesterday. What did she say? I didn't hear it. Well, I guess that means we'll have to talk about it. God, I don't want to, but I guess we'll have to. Um, that's all to come. Today's show also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4, available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals and new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Glenn Clark Radio. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from, and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. Press Box is available for free at over 500 500- areas Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener flash fried pork belly with our popular Korean number no. two sauce, and take a bite out of the crunch burger topped with home run sauce, white American cheese, and house made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. Glorydaysgrill.com to find out more great food, good sports.
7: Don't forget that full episodes of the show are available for free on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. But warning, you get what you pay for. You're listening to Glenn
2: Clark Radio. Uh, Hey, if you missed it last night, Stan the Fan was back on Facebook Live. I know he's been uh, battling through some health issues recently. It was good to have him back. He and Gary Stein... Had a unique conversation with Cameron Levine, who's a women's lacrosse player at Johns Hopkins. You can find that right now by going to facebook.com/slash pressbox sports, pressboxonline.com/slash video, or youtube.com/slash pressbox online. Um, we only have a couple minutes here before we chat with R.J. Anderson, so I'm, I'm going to save the, the finals and, and the, uh, the Ravens thing. You, uh, Joe Girardi, was fired this morning. Yes. What What was the? I got to pull up this tweet. There was a lot. I don't remember the exact wording of it. There was a tweet comparing the Orioles and Phillies payrolls Yeah, that got a lot of... um,
1: Basically just saying the Orioles spend a lot less and are basically as successful, which is sort of true and sort of uh, not.
2: This was not the one that got all the attention, but James Wagner from the New York Times... um, Tweeted out this morning. The Phillies with a 229 million dollar opening day payroll, mm-hmm. which ranked fourth in MLB, have the same number of wins. 22 as the rebuilding Pirates, Cubs, and Orioles. I I think it's unfair to loop the Cubs in with those other two teams. Yeah, no, I don't think that's because while yes, relevant. they're not doing what they did a few years back, they still like spent money on a couple of guys. They spent money on Suzuki. And they they did. spent money on um, who was the pitcher that they? Uh, Marcus Stroman. Marcus Stroman. Yeah. Thank you. Like it's not like they are not. They, Comparing the Cubs to the Pirates and the Orioles is not relevant. I I get it; they're they're not. The Cubs are not expected to be. They weren't expected to win the NL Central, but they definitely were not a team still going through a complete rebuild the way that those two teams are. Um, You, I'm a bit indifferent towards it, right? Like I'm inclined to not not like Joe Girardi because you know. He was a Yankee, so I I don't care. But you, you, you have a take you wanted to share. I mean, just
1: I, I think I'm one of the people. Maybe this is an unpopular opinion that believes that managers do not have an incredible amount of significant influence on a team's win-loss record. I, I think there are some moves like the Mets hiring Buck Showalter that significantly changes a culture enough to affect the win-loss record, but I do not believe that firing Joe Girardi is going to all of a sudden just fix the Phillies' problems, and I'm not sure that blaming the manager in a lot of these situations when your GM doesn't go out right. and give the Phillies any sort of good yeah, bullpen. Build
2: a legitimate... Right. Like, right. A, a,
1: like, you can sign Castellano, Schwerber, whatever. It's right. great. It's all good. you got to have pitching as well. Right. The, the back of the starting rotation is is kind of bare and the entire bullpen is bad in, in philly that's just a fact and joe girardi really doesn't have control over that he's not the gm right so i find that putting all the blame on the manager is a little bit short-sighted with well, a lot of and, these teams But you know
2: a lot of times these are the things that happen in order to deflect blame right like sure. that literally the jet ge- the general manager smells the room <laughs> and yeah and sort of says oh that's a good way to put it i i I gotta I gotta make it seem like it's this guy's fault. Yeah, de- definitely. Right? And I, mean, I don't know enough about and I, nor do I care enough about the situation in Philadelphia to know if there's, you know, some sort of backstabbing or something like that going on. But we've seen this a lot in sports mm-hmm. where you you take the temperature of the room and you say, Ooh, people are gonna start looking at me. Right. So sure. I need to deflect that and I need to go to ownership and say, It's this guy's fault <laughs> so that he that the blame goes that route and I buy myself a little bit of time yeah. before the blame starts coming my way.
1: The most entertaining part to me is whenever someone fires a manager, it's usually like the bench coach who takes over as the, the right. manager. And I'm, I'm always thinking, like, you think this guy's yeah, going to be the better? better? Yeah, is the better guy. Like, option. really? Uh, this guy? Like, I, I don't know who the Phillies bench coach is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure I that out. I figure don't know either. And if he's someone that has managed in the past, maybe, but yeah. I, I highly doubt it. It looks like uh, Rob Thompson.
2: Ah, oh, Rob. Didn't, not- he hit, <laughs> didn't, didn't he hit the shot around the world? I'm
1: sure he did. I don't isn't know. That, I, isn't that... I am not aware of this Rob Thompson, but I I will look him up and we'll we'll find out about the new Phillies manager. But my question is, you know, how do you really think that's going to solve the problem? Right? Like, I I don't know. Apparently, he's the a former minor league baseball player. Sure, um, who was a catcher and a third baseman in the Detroit Tigers organization. Um, He's a Canadian. And he won the World Series with the Yankees in 2009 as a
2: coach. So there you go. Good, good for, good for Bobby Rob, Thompson. Oh, Bob, Thompson. Bobby Thompson, the man who hit the most famous home run in baseball history. The Giants won. Apparently, the yeah, not the same now, one. <laughs> no, you don't think it's the same guy? No, no? I, this you guy was so? never.
1: This guy was never a major league baseball player. You so sure? I would, I would venture to say that he. You, you don't not think, the You guy. don't think
2: he was playing at the Polo Grounds in 1951?
1: Oh yeah, it was a long time ago. That's right. I, I, my brain wasn't even going there. yet. I, <laughs> I was, was really hoping. Not the would, same man. I was I,
2: really hoping that you would join me. I wasn't picking it up. I'm sorry. Shattered around the world. Wasn't student. picking up what
1: you were putting but down.
2: I, now I'm starting to realize you're so young. You don't realize the guy who hit that home run was, na- was legitimately named Bobby Thompson.
1: I well, I, I do know that. Okay, I just right, do, yeah. I I just didn't know. Like I didn't know how old this guy was. He I mean he could be probably no, not. No, but no. No, it
2: was 71 years ago. So this There's guy would have to no be like
1: chance. in his in his 90s, which is no. There's no chance. Not going to be the Phillies man.
2: It was the same guy. No chance at all. But. That's the only... Rob- you know,
1: it's one of those things that you hear about a million times, you yeah. hear about people talk about, but you never really know the date of it. Like, I never... I w- couldn't have told you it was 1951. I
2: couldn't have told you it was fifty one specifically. I would have probably told you it was like 75. No, I. That, that's how <laughs> Well, I mean, because the pictures are in black and white, right? Okay, like, true, true, Like, I, I know it predates color um, TV, so that's the reason why I knew it was sort of in that area if that was a trivia question oh i got one for you okay i'll I'll run a this i (laughs) i I, I played a john proctor trivia on wednesday night okay and um so uh this american league east team Mm -hmm. has had six all-star game mvps the most of any of them Mm.
1: and they're a current team because obviously that division has moved around a little bit yes
2: current Current, american league east team
1: I feel like the Yankees would be too easy to say, so it's not going to be the Yankees. It's I don't think it's the Baltimore Orioles. Can't imagine that. Tampa Bay. I'm gonna go Toronto.
2: Toronto. Little off the off the beaten path. Now here's what I'll give you. You didn't need the hint because the hint was hint. It's not the Yankees. No, it's not the yeah
1: yeah yeah. That
2: jerk John Proctor started playing "Sweet Caroline." Oh boy. As the music.
1: Great song though. I of course not said, in the Red Sox context. I said
2: because Lord knows who knows. As I said to the team that I was playing with, they expect me to be the sports guy. I'm like, nobody knows who won the All-Star. Nobody cares about All-Star Game MVPs. Nobody cares. Nobody remembers. Nobody cares. He's playing Sweet Caroline. It's not the Yankees. Let's go with the Red Sox. We were both wrong, my friend. The answer is the Baltimore Orioles. Who knew? Who knew? Brooks, Frank, ripkin tahada roberto alomar the whole list who knew who would possibly have known that that jerk john proctor played sweet caroline to throw me off the scent
1: you know i I never would have known that my guess like i said my guess is
2: toronto but i million years not something million years i wouldn't have gotten that right would not have gotten crazy All right, into hour number two of today's program. We do an MLB draft segment every week ahead of the Orioles holding the 1-1 pick in the 2022 MLB draft All-Star Weekend. Joining us now to tell us a little bit more, a man who wrote kind of in depth recently about what the Orioles might do with that number one pick, he covers baseball for CBSSports.com. He's Mr. R.J. Anderson. And he's with us here on GCR. R.J., it is Glenn and Zach in Baltimore. It's good to chat with you. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us.
8: Yeah, thank you for having me.
2: Before we get to the draft, on a scale of um, one to immediately find the nearest bridge and go ahead and jump, how concerned do you think Orioles fans should be about Grayson Rodriguez? Yeah, I mean, that's
8: a tough one. I thought he should have been in the majors already, and certainly don't want to see him get hurt, regardless. But feels like you know he was so close to being promoted. You know, you having him and uh, Aldi Rushman together, and you know, kind of a dawning of the future. Now, unfortunately, you have to wait and see how much time he's going to make. yeah available for the rest of the season. So that's really tough.
2: I, I we we started if like he really doesn't pitch the rest of the year because. That... Next year seemed like the first legitimate year where you could start judging the Orioles' real results, right, and and seeing where they are in this path. And if he doesn't pitch at all the remainder of the season, it's really tough to have confidence in what he's going to do a year from now. I, I wonder if that's the type of thing that forces the Orioles to have to think about, hey, maybe do we need to to, to to spend a little bit of money this year on pitching because there is so much to like about their lineup and what they've done offensively and how much more competitive they've been than we expected them to be, their bullpen's been very good, that maybe they need to reverse course a little bit and consider spending some money on pitching this offseason because of that.
8: Yeah, I mean, I was talking to a front office person yesterday, not with the Orioles, but they pointed out that, you know, you usually don't want to put too high of expectations on a player in their first full big league season. So, with Rodriguez, you know, realistically, you're probably – envisioning him not being himself until maybe next year or the year thereafter, and this could push that schedule back. Now, I agree with you that they should be spending more resources on the big league team. Unfortunately, you know, their front office has proven they are pretty indifferent to the big league roster, and it's notable not just when they sign a free agent to a big league contract, but, I mean, I guess that's what I was going to say. is It's notable when they do sign a player to a big league contract no matter the amount of money. So uh, I hope so because, you know, Baltimore deserves a better product. Camden Yards is my favorite ballpark in the majors, but you know I wouldn't necessarily bet on Mike Elias ever spending money on that big league roster until he yeah. has to. It's
2: uh it's a boy. I, it's depressing. All right, let's talk about something else. The Orioles do hold the number one pick in in this draft, and and as we have talked about a lot, there seem to be two diverging thoughts at the moment. The first thought is the Orioles take the consensus best player available in the draft and it seems like more and more everyone has kind of agreed that that is drew jones andrew jones son then there's the other thought which is well the orioles haven't taken a high school anything with an early pick under mike elias and in every draft except for adley Rutschman, they've purposely gone under slot and tried to cut deals later yeah what is your gut starting to tell you about the route the orioles might take this year
8: Honestly, I still don't have a feel for it. You know, we're still more than a month away, and I, I could see them going either route. I know that's not the answer you're looking for, but, you know, it really just depends on their evaluations of Drew Jones or some of these ever-top players, because, as you mentioned, you know, they've gone under slot two of the last three drafts, and they've spent, you know, significantly less money on that top pick than you may have expected them to. So, you know, it just depends. Do they think Drew Jones is head and shoulders above everyone else, or do they think they can get a somewhat comparable talent for a significantly less amount of money and then spread that money elsewhere in the draft. And, you know, I don't have the answer for you, unfortunately.
2: Um, And and neither do we. Are you in, in agreement that there is a separation regarding Drew Jones specifically, that he's definitely the top guy?
8: I think he's the top guy for me now. When you say separation I assume you mean significant one because I can see, you know, an argument for them taking, say, Elijah Green, I can see an argument for them taking Tamar Johnson or, you know, Jackson Holiday or, you know, some of these other players. But the thing is all of the individuals I just named are high schoolers. Right. And usually when you're talking about, you know, taking a player who will sign for under slot, it's not usually the high schooler because, you know, they have the leverage of going to college and, you know, they just have more negotiating uh, leverage, so I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. I do think he's the best, but, you know, again, it comes down to what do their evaluations say? Do they agree with that? Do they think there's a significant difference between him and you know, whomever else is number two or number three or number four on their board? And, uh, you know, I, I don't know.
2: I, I guess the way I should have phrased it is, like, I, 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 <clears throat> are we going to get to a point where you're going to... Where, where you will end up regretting it? Where, as good as other these players might be, and, and that's... I think that matters here. Like, I think that's where we got to with Adley Rutschman. We're like, you got to take Adley Rutschman. He's the guy. And we'll still find that out if he proves to be the guy or not, but you have to. Yeah. Is it the type of thing where like, Hey, whatever it is that your philosophy is, if you had the chance to draft drew Jones and you didn't, it might be the type of thing that looms over your franchise for the next decade, decade, decade and a half that you decided to get cute and not just take this player.
8: Yeah, it's possible. I mean, you know, there was that Baseball America report a few weeks ago that they were considering Jacob Berry, and
2: yeah.
6: nothing against
8: Jacob Berry, but if you're taking him at number one and you're passing on some of those other names I just mentioned, then yes, I think there's a, a fair, a good chance you're going to end up regretting it. You're going to look a little silly, and you know the thing about the draft is, no matter which approach you take, there's hubris to it, right? You know, if I sit here and tell you, you know, you take Drew Jones, you give him the seven plus millions that he's going to want to sign number one. Okay, you know that's hubris on my part for thinking that I clearly know, you know, what his future holds and what the future of these ever top players that's hold. Fair. So there's hubris in the portfolio approach too, because you know you're basically saying we're confident enough in our abilities that you know we know for sure you know this player is not going to be significantly better than this ever player. Blah 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 blah. And I don't know. It's an interesting philosophical question. I don't know how they're going to go. Uh, I can kind of see the merits either way, but you know it's part of what makes the draft interesting these days. Is just you know, there's not necessarily one right approach. And I think we've seen that throughout the draft history. It's almost more random than we would like to believe because, you know, it kind of makes our jobs a little worthless at this point.
2: He is R.J. Anderson, CBSSports.com. He's with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. R.J., does the, does the timeline matter? And, and I, let me present it this way. Adley Rutchman is here. The there's, As I mentioned, there's a lineup that appears to be moving towards something, and hopefully – this will not end up being a a complete setback with Grayson Rodriguez and, you know, still within the next year or so, the piece is already in place. Does that make it more appealing to say, grab a college bat, or is Drew Jones, you know, are these talents the type that you say, those guys, they're going to, you know, like Bobby Witt this year, they can get here absolutely as quickly as any college bat in
8: this draft. Yeah, I think it would be a mistake, to draft, based on the complexion of your big league roster. Uh, I think that's... A recipe for you know making suboptimal decisions. So I would say you know there should be no impetus to take the college back just because you think your lineup is inching closer toward contention. Because you never know what's going to happen. I mean, you know it's possible that some of the players who are having good seasons this year don't next year. And if you took a you know Jacob Berry for instance, all of a sudden you're like, well, uh, maybe we messed up because we right. were not as close as we thought we were. So yeah, I think that would be a mistake. I think you just take. You know, even the best player available, or you take the path where it allows you to get the best players available throughout the draft. So I don't think you can ever say, "Here's our big league roster, and we're going to draft based off that."
2: By the way, it seems like the one thing I'm taking from this conversation is you. You sound like you're really opposed to it being Jacob Berry. RJ.
8: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am because in, you know college first basemen historically have not had the greatest of success rates. Yeah. I mean, this is something I dug into with. Porkelston and Andrew Vaughn yeah. and, you know, some of these other players in recent years. And I have nothing against Barry because, he's, you know, he's a hitter. But, you know, you hear some of the concerns from scouts about, okay, well, how much raw power is he going really to bring to the table? And, you know, there's no defensive versatility there. So if you're a little off on the hit tool, if he, you know, it's a little lower or closer to average than you might expect, all of a sudden you don't really have a great, you know, player there. You have maybe a starter, but it's not a given. And I think that's a... Very tough profile to take, number one, given some of the, you know, uh, profiles of these high school players or what have you. So, yeah, I would, if I were an yeah. Orioles fan, they took very, I mean, I would, I would be a little annoyed, even if I realized that, you know what, maybe they see something I don't, and maybe he blossoms into the best right. hitter in the draft.
2: Do you, do you I, I assume you feel a little bit differently about Brooks Lee then, because it does look like he's a legitimate yeah. third baseman?
8: Yeah, I, I like Brooks Lee. Uh, I know. Fans of his you know, scouting ranks who have been on him for a while now. He's, you know, he's just a good hitter, and you know, I believe he is going to be a third baseman long term. But that's okay. You know, he brings a lot to the table, and you know, good instincts. He's a he's a coach's son, which scouts usually love. And yeah, I think he's a quality player. And if he's the number one pick, it makes sense. You know, it uh, makes a lot of sense, honestly.
2: I almost can't shake. I, by the way, I've talked to Bro- the kid. Was legitimately named after Brooks Robinson. There's something rom- there's something romantic about that that I just can't sh- like I I know that doesn't really matter you got to get the best player that you can get but damn it damn it there is something really romantic about that story that I would love a great deal um I you know it it's just sort of where I am um I've heard yeah. from a few scouts that they believe um that is that while Drew Jones is the guy I've heard a couple people use this phrase but but Elijah Green might have the most upside of any yeah. of these players have you. Have you heard some similar things? Do you think there's a possibility that that maybe there would be a risk worth taking with a guy like that?
8: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've, again, I've had scouts argue that he should be the number one pick because of that upside. And, you know, to be clear, when we say stuff like that, it doesn't really make sense, right? Say Juju is the number one, but there's a belief that Green might be the best player. And the reason for that separation is as simply as I can put it, Green has – just like otherworldly physical tools. I mean, we're talking elite power. He can run, he can throw, you know, he can do it all. He's. Uh, I believe Kevin Goldstein threw a Bo Jackson comparison on him or had a scout throw a Bo Jackson comparison on him. So we're talking about, you know, just an otherworldly physical athlete here. The reason that he's not the clear number one pick is because he swings and misses a lot. And entering the season, if you watch some of this film, keep in mind, you know, he's playing at IMG Academy. He's not at a college. He's not a, you know, uh, a normal high school situation. But if you watch his film, with two strikes, he wouldn't even stride. And, that, you know, that was designed to try to cut down on his swing and miss, cut down on his strikeouts. And that really concerns me and it concerns scouts because, you know, you're not going to be able to do that in the professionals. You're not going to be able to do that. You don't want them doing that. You want them swinging with confidence so you can, you know, maximize their production. So it is an interesting risk-reward profile. Uh, I can't tell you which way it's going to go. Maybe he's Drew Stubbs. Right. You know, maybe something like that. But it, it, it is really interesting. If they took him number one, I would get it, even if I maybe didn't have the stomach to do it myself.
2: At R underscore J underscore Anderson on Twitter is how you follow him. RJ, is there anything else we can plug for you, man?
8: No, I don't think so. You know, just go to cbsports.com slash MLB. We have outstanding staff, and, you know, we have guys like Game Perry. He's probably the best writer in the baseball world right now, in my opinion.
2: So. Yeah, he's very good. There's no deba- debate about that. R.J., appreciate you, man. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. Let's do it again yep. soon, all right? It's...
8: Absolutely. Thank you for having
2: me. R.J. Anderson, CBS CBSSports.com, MLB writer, joining us to talk a little bit of uh, MLB draft for this week's draft segment. Zach, uh, are, are you, and again, you're you're kind of a little bit of a scout yourself. Yes. Have you Have you really made some final thoughts at all about...
1: The O's at one, yeah. I mean, I, I think there's a number of options left for them. Um,
2: you look at Drew Jones. Obviously, Kylie McDaniel said that he's reporting they're down. They've got five guys. I did hear that five yeah.
1: guys, which which you can probably make a pretty kind of easy makes me assumption. You want, a, you want a burger? I, would love, a burger. A burger. I would love a burger. Would love a burger and a milkshake from Five Guys too. Right? The fries are fantastic. No, anyway, right,
6: yeah,
1: yeah the, I I think it's kind of easy to infer of who these guys might be. I, I think Drew Jones right now is. Kind of, uh, you know, the media controls a lot of narratives in the draft every year. And I think Drew Jones is one of them where the media has really controlled the narrative of him being, you know, that number one prospect and becoming the guy that, you know, is is setting himself apart from the rest of the pack. I, I think the media kind of made that narrative okay. up a little bit. But
2: I, I wouldn't say no, that. I, I, you say that. i talked to a few scouts who agree that he's. Oh, I don't disagree with th- that. that. Don't say that it's great distance, that it's like Drew Jones and yeah. the field. Yeah. But. I've gotten the sense there's an agreement that he's if if we were making a choice mm. he and it was just you know who do you want nothing else matters yeah. contract not, who do you want I've gotten the idea and again I'm not trying to suggest that I know a hundred scouts but in the little conversation that I've had with those guys I've gotten the sense yeah. that there is at least an amount of agreement that he is the top guy of the group.
1: Yeah, I think he is and I think he separates himself by a little bit. I just don't think it's the the kind of separation that Adley Rutschman and Bobby Witt Jr. had on the rest of the 2019 class. I think there's not that same kind of separation here and I think the guys are a lot closer. I, I like Tamar Johnson a lot. I mean, if you look at the swing, he's probably around a 70-hit tool. The is obviously going to develop a little bit as the guy gets bigger, but he, he's, a you know, being a, a second baseman's going to knock down his value a little bit just based on the fact that he doesn't play a premium position like Drew Jones or Uh, Brooks Lee or some of the other guys at the top of this class as, as RG just said, you know, Elijah Green, the ceiling is super high. He's just going to have to cut down on the swing and miss. The strikeouts are a bit up for him this year. And frankly, the fact is, is that I'm not sure the Orioles really care about strikeouts. I'm not sure right. that's something... I mean, we've seen them take guys who are high strikeout, high power guys, and that's kind of been a, a model they've been following. And especially a guy like Elijah Green who can put the ball 450 feet into the stands pretty easily. I'm not sure they're going to be too worried about how many times he strikes out. But it could be a relevant thing for some other teams. I'm not sure how... Um, the Orioles specifically feel about that, but it, it definitely could hinder um, I guess his progress in going towards number one. I, I, I just think that Drew Jones right now looks like the guy that is separating himself and, and whether it was a media created narrative or not, I still think that's probably where the Orioles will go. Okay. but that's just my my guess kind of right now. I, I don't have any knowledge one way or the other.
2: Um, yeah. but it, but but do you do you think it would be a mistake for them to try to cut a deal instead? I think when you're picking number one, it's significantly different than
1: when you're picking two or five, like they have in the past two years. I think that is a significantly different situation, because you're really trying to get the best player available when you're at number one. Because you've got the whole board in front of you, right? Like, there is nobody off the board at this point. You've got every single player at your disposal, to take if you want. And, and I think that you're often going to take the guy you want the most instead of a guy you maybe want second or third most in, you know because you can save money for later on and get a guy in the second or third round that may be a, a, a bigger star and, and have dropped down the board a little bit, like they did with Gunnar Henderson. Um, or not Gunnar Henderson, excuse me, but um what's the name I'm looking for, Glenn? Uh, who, who, Heston. It, it was this underslot guy they went with in uh, 2020. I, I might have been Jordan. I think it was Jordan Westberg. Actually, oh, they, oh, they, yeah, some, they went yes. a little underslot with um, yep. in 2020, and I I think that's a a more wait, wait, viable in,
2: 20, in 2020 they went Heston Kirsten right. and then Jordan Westberg second, second and i believe yes. they were
1: able to get Jordan Westberg because of saving I, a little I bit of money i thought the thought was that they got Mayo because that could also that. be i think that, i think right. the
2: consensus was that was how they got Kobe Mayo
1: that could also be the right. case um but you know saving money and getting better players down the road is a definite consideration i just think it should be less of a consideration when you're picking at number 1 rather than in the in just the top 5 i think there's a difference there
2: i i agree uh, the the piece that RJ Anderson wrote that that was the reason why i invited him he points out that in 2020, what they spent you know they, they, the ad pick they spent essentially the seventh pick's slot value right on that pick that last year they spent essentially the eighth pick's slot value on signing Colton Cowser, who they took with the fifth pick yeah Um. And again they point out we got a Kobe Mayo because of that mm-hmm. and I am inclined to agree with you and to say just get the player right. like worry about that don't worry about any of this other stuff sure but are you finding the new inequity that you can operate with that it really isn't so different between these top players? That once you've identified that it's not so different between these top players, that adding one more guy that you wouldn't have got really does make a difference in whether you can make up the advantages mm-hmm. that teams that have more money to spend it. Um you know, enjoy.
1: I think it may be helpful to view these guys in tiers, almost where you have a guy like Drew Jones and Brooks Lee and Elijah Green, all kind of in that tier
2: one. Mm-hmm. And Tamar
1: Johnson, maybe if you want to throw in a lot in that of people,
2: that think that Jackson Holiday has moved. Jackson Holiday,
1: sure. Yeah, the son of Matt Holiday, sure. Yep. I mean, that could definitely be be a guy who's a tier one guy. And then you have that tier two, or maybe you're seeing a Jacob Berry, right. And a, you know, maybe a Lesko before the the Tommy John surgery. Some of the guys that would have gone into that tier two that the Orioles might have considered at number one, and maybe if you take any one of the Tier 1 guys, you're happy with it. But I think if you reach into Tier 2 and you take a guy like Jacob Berry, and like RJ said, nothing against Jacob Berry, but the defensive capability is just not there for him. He's not a guy who's going to be a premium defender, and while the bat is good, you've got four bats that are probably just as good, if not better, uh, up in Tier 1. So if you do cut a deal with Jacob Berry, you might be... If, if you take
2: a guy like Jacob Berry, he essentially has to become Jeff Bagwell. Right, Like exactly. He has to yeah. become sure. so plus. Where his defense does not matter at right. all. Yeah. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. All right, when we come back in, we'll talk about uh, the finals. We'll talk about uh, a stunning fourth quarter from the Celtics last night. We will also talk about this thing, this stupid... I don't want to talk about it, but... We'll talk about the stupid Diana Rossini thing. That that is all coming up. Today's show, oh boy, also brought to you by your neighborhood Glory Days Grill, where you still have, uh, I want to say, a neighborhood of 10 days. To take advantage of their spring seasonal menu, they extended it for you. Yes, you, Isaac. They extended it for you because they heard you hadn't been there yet. And that is a mistake that you don't want to have to deal with for the rest of your life. You're going to wake up in a cold sweat when you're 64 years old and you're going to say, God, I wish, I wish I would have gotten the flash fried pork belly, the opener, the Korean number two sauce from Glory Days Grill back in 2022 when it was available and Glenn was telling me about it every day and I just didn't listen to him. Do you want to have that on your conscience forever? Is that really the way that you want to live the rest of your life thinking about it? I wouldn't, so I would go to Glory Days Grill or go to glorydaysgrill.com and put my order in. Enjoy delicious Glory Days Grill this weekend. It's Glenn Clark Radio. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from, and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. Press Box is available for free at over 500 500- areas locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com To follow the show on Instagram, it's just Glenn Clark Radio.
7: And to follow the show on OnlyFans, wait I don't think you're supposed to know about that one.
2: Any hoodle. Take it away, boys. The Nadal-Zverev semifinal match at the French Open has been insane. It started at 9 a.m. It's currently eleven twenty-five. Wow. They're in the second set. Nadal was down a break in the first set and then was down 6-2 in the tiebreaker, fought off four set points mm-hmm. to win the first set tiebreaker. The first four games of the second set were all service breaks. I don't wow. know what's going on. <laughs> and it's killing me. The darkest timeline that exists within tennis is Alexander Zverev somehow defeating Rafael Nadal? Zverev, for those that don't know, there have been some pretty serious domestic abuse about allegations that have been made against him. Um, there, there's no, there's, there's very little redeemable about him. Now he's a hell of a tennis player, but until he beat Carlos Alcaraz in the quarterfinals, he had never beaten a top ten player in a Grand Slam match. Interesting. So it's a dark. And then you have Rafael Adal, who's. Looking to further separate himself and get to twenty-two Grand Slams won, and be too clear of both Djokovic and Federer, should he win this tournament. The darkest timeline is one where Zverev somehow defeats Nadal. Right now, they're on yeah. serve in the second set. Um, I, I, wild how game one played out last night. Wild Warriors leading comfortable, comfortably a dynamic third quarter. They're up by as many as 15. They're up by 12 going into the fourth. And in a flash, I mean, before you could blink, the lead's gone. They end up losing by double digits. I've never seen anything like this. If you are someone that was a believer in the Celtics, like Andrew Stecka, you got to be, I mean, over the moon. Them getting a game on the road and doing it on a night where Steph Curry was on his game. thirty-four. Although twenty-one of them were in the first quarter, like he he had a killer first quarter, and then, you know, was was kind of pedestrian. After Clay that Thompson, point. by the way,
1: not make eight eight threes, so that yeah, uh, well, <laughs> then
2: that, he only he only has to do it once, but right. but right. they have to win the series in order for that to matter. Yeah, the two the things that jump out at you if you're a believer in the Celtics are Jason Tatum didn't even play all that well last night, and yet they were able to win almost comfortably on the road. Um, you know, you'd say, hey, if this is what we can do when Jason Tatum doesn't play well, as long as Jason Tatum plays well, then Celtics are going to be fine. If you're someone who's a believer in the Warriors, they're still the Warriors. I think what jumps out at you, the struggles of Jordan Poole are kind of real at this point. has just not been, he hasn't been playing well for a while. He still makes some big shots. He still has some moments, but it feels like he's less of a threat to be the guy that can have the 35-point game on a night where, you know, for whatever reason, Steph or Clay just might be off. I, what jumped out at me most about game one was Steve Kerr, who appears to be kind of a slave to the strategy and say, look, this is our plan with Steph Curry. This is what we're going to do, and the game situation be damned. And they lost that game when Steph Curry was on the bench to start the fourth quarter and the Celtics went on this, I think, 7-0 run mm-hmm. to make it a five-point game, get right back into it, and by the time Steph Curry got back out there, it was, you know, you can say, hey, they still had a two-possession lead. It was essentially a, a brand-new ball game. All the work they had done in the third quarter was gone in a flash with Steph Curry being on the bench. They got Steph Curry on the bench late in the third. I don't know why he had to stay on the bench to start the fourth when you had the opportunity to put the game away to not invite the Celtics back. Now, the Celtics didn't miss. I mean, it was nuts what they were doing in the fourth quarter. It's not likely that Al Horford can continue to shoot like that. I know he's had plenty of really big games during these playoffs. It's it's really quite the crazy story what Al Horford is doing at the age of 35. It's, it's bonkers. And they played well as we expected them to play defensively throughout the course of the game. They, they did. They played well but the defense wasn't the story last night it was how they shot in the fourth quarter it was that golden state it was an avalanche that hit them we'll see i'm not panicking i still believe golden state wins the series but i think there was there was something in the back of my mind that said there's there's a half a chance golden state does win a quick series mm-hmm. that's that's obviously out the window that's that's not happening um it was nuts. It was a nuts. It was just a crazy first quarter last night. Really a crazy first quarter. Or sorry, fourth quarter.
1: Yeah, for 40 to 16, you know, points scored. I mean that's that's insane. Frankly, yeah. I mean they didn't
2: miss. White didn't miss. Horford didn't miss.
1: The fact that Al Horford at his age is 35, still still dropping 26, 26. points in an NBA finals game. And I'm not a basketball guy. Like you you don't know me as someone who knows a lot of basketball and I truly do not, but I yeah. do know that Al Horford has been around for a very long time. Like I can remember watching at the NBA 10, 12 years ago and seeing Al Horford out there. Maybe not 12, but it was a long time ago. And the the fact that he's still doing that oh, at his it's age
2: is bonkers. Insane. It's bonkers. Insane. There's no question about it. All right, now, um I just sent you let's try this again. I just sent you another link pull okay. up your pull up your pull email. Up. we'll try this again. there's no music playing, so we should be all <laughs> we're good we're good there. I don't want to talk I really don't. I don't actually want to talk about this, but enough people are talking about it on social media that
1: oh I, it's a Raimi tweet oh well, Ramey, well but it's not it's not, not about from
2: him. he just happened to share this clip um he shared a clip from I think I think it's Get Up on ESPN. You ready? Sure, go ahead.
7: We were showing those that highlight rip of Lamar, and what did we see? We saw him running, running tr- it, 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 with tremendous speed and tremendous tremendous athleticism. What wasn't he? What didn't we really show there? success in the pocket as a traditional pocket passer. And those are the quarterbacks that are getting paid top dollar. That's the story, right? When you see him, you see the running and yeah, it's fantastic. And they've been able to uh, choreograph their offense that way, but that's not going to get you paid the money that I'm sure he's looking for.
2: (sighs) It's Diana Rossini. What are we doing here? Um, For what it's worth, uh, Sarah Ellison, and I always like Sarah. Sarah wrote for the Ravens for years and worked for them, and and even since she's moved on, she's continued to sort of be a a Twitter presence Mm -hmm. in the Ravens community. Sarah uh, said, Another silly take on Lamar Jackson. Two pieces of advice. One, stop watching selected clips that only highlight running. Two, start watching games. Then when he gets paid (laughs) big big time, you'll understand why. To which Diana Rossini seems a little sensitive found, and decided to respond to, despite the fact that oh boy. Sarah did not tag Diana Rossini. Real, real quick before you read this. I mean, it's just a known Hang fact. Hey, wait, let me get there. Okay. Let me get there. All right. Save it. Save it. Let me just do this. Diana Rossini responded, Hi, Sarah. Thanks for your advice. I'm, <laughs> I'm clear and correct based on reporting how he's viewed.
1: Uh, my, my point was that if you make a statement as bold as that one you should not double down on it on twitter because that just makes you look like you're trying to defend yourself which makes you look wrong well i mean it, that's what i was gonna say th- there's, <laughs> there's
2: so much there's so much here and i don't this is my advice always you know why I, I i i hate the fact that i shared this because what i tell you is stop watching stop it don't watch any of these shows they're, they're bad for you. This is not legitimate discourse. This is forced attempts at trying to create something that will get people worked up and to get people to share things on Twitter and to get attention. It's carnival barking. Now, what's disappointing about it is that Diana Rossini's role is not supposed to be carnival barker. She's supposed to be a reporter right. who covers the NFL. That's sort of the way it's gotten at ESPN where everything is so conflated that you don't no longer know you no longer know who is a legitimate reporter and who is a carnival barker.
1: I was gonna say this sounds like a Stephen A Smith story to me. and I know your thoughts on Stephen <sighs> A Smith
2: but all of them I mean it's it's not unique on Stephen A Smith. it's all of them it's and it's not just unique sure. on ESPN yeah, yeah. it's no. everywhere. This is what sports media has become and it's just again, if I was willing to do it, I probably wouldn't be here. No offense, Zach. I probably wouldn't be. Yeah. I'm not willing to do it. I can't, You can't get me to Carnival Bark. I mean, I guess if somebody wanted to come in tomorrow and offer me an extraordinary amount of money, maybe I'd have to think about it. <laughs> I mean, I, I, everybody's got a price. Uh, Ted you DBA. got the red shirt on already. Ted you're you're ready on to on go to ESPN. S- yeah, sure. um, it's, it's just it's Carnival Barking of the highest order. There's no thought. There's no... For her to say, I'm clear and correct... Well, that's her first mistake. Because... That, that doesn't mean anything. Right. Based on who? And I'm not... I, Diana Rossini is plugged in. There's no, I'm, there's no debate about that. Diana Rossini is plugged in. She absolutely has sources. We know that because Diana Rossini has broken a lot of stories over the years. Mm-hmm. There might very well be multiple general managers who said to her, we wouldn't sign that guy. No, they'd be idiots, but there were 31 teams that didn't want to draft Lamar Jackson. Correct. So we can't be surprised that there would be an insane number of folks that still don't get it. It's embarrassing. There are plenty of reasonable things to say when we talk about Lamar Jackson. I talk about this all the time. Want to have a conversation about Lamar Jackson and talk about the fact that he struggled mightily against the Blitz last year. Mm. You can go find everything you need in order to have a legitimate conversation yeah. and back it up and say it's concerning. And if you believe that the Ravens shouldn't be in a rush to give him a Deshaun Watson type of deal because of his struggles against the Blitz last year, that would be a very legitimate um, fair. Discussion point: That you could have a great deal of conversation back and forth, and would be uh, incredibly legitimate. Yeah. Doing the bit where all Lamar Jackson does is run, or he's just a runner, or any of that's ju- all you're doing is showing your ass. And again, that's what they do. They professionally these shows that they do on ESPN and sure. Fox. They're they're for that. Show your ass. The more you show your ass, the more people get worked up about it.
1: I mean, I think it's kind of a well-known fact that in sports radio and in the media... Sometimes and, and I'm not saying that you do this because I don't believe you do this, but there are a lot of people and including Stephen A. Smith and even situations like this where people say something that they don't actually believe in. Well and I think there are a lot of people that are Yeah, I don't
2: I don't think that's that and and, and that's definitely a separation point. I it's not oh even, yeah, for, I, I, that's there's a little bit of that, but this isn't even a debate. I don't know what the the overall topic was. I have no idea where this came from. I
1: I, I can't believe that Diana Rossini actually believes this.
2: Well, no, I think she does. I think, how? I I think she's talked to very specific general managers Mm -hmm. who have said, we didn't like the guy to begin with, we don't like him now. Yeah. All he is is a a gimmick. Because we know how this works. That's how I scouted him. That's what I think he is. I'm not changing my mind about that. You're not going to get me to change my mind no matter what it is that we see. I don't doubt for a second that she's talked to those people, but she also has access to the internet. She also has access to to information. I'm trying to remember what it is that Warren Sharp tweeted out about Lamar Jackson the other day. Hang on
6: <clears throat>
1: I'm so sorry I'm- it's just blatantly obvious when you watch the Ravens um and you have from twenty eighteen to twenty twenty one as we all have, and we've watched every game and we realize that Lamar Jackson is. I mean, I'm not going to say he's Tom Brady or something when it comes to pocket passing, but look, the guy's a pretty good pocket passer. He's probably in the top half of the league. And the fact that he th- had the most passing touchdowns in 2019 at 36, um,
2: yeah, there, these, there's these, a million these, facts the way, these are the Warren Sharp okay. tweeted this the other day. Uh, Lamar Jackson, early down passing outside the numbers last year. Mm-hmm. Number one in yards per average, 9.2. Yep. Number one in success rate, 57%. Number one in EPA per attempt. Now, that doesn't... There's some cherry-picking of numbers that goes on there, right? You can't ignore that. Like, you're cherry-picking certain numbers, and those aren't the only numbers that you use to measure a quarterback. But it's a reminder, there is no debate. It's this thing where we try to make it seem like Lamar Jackson just runs or can't throw or something along those lines has been so far disproven that it just is you showing your ass when you try to bring it back up. It's just embarrassing for you. You don't know what you're talking about. And if a general manager says it to you, and I've said this a million times, I said this to Jeremy Fowler when he and I got into a fight last year about something stupid he said. Just because someone else said, if I today said, hey, I was talking to one of my sources within baseball, hmm And they said that there are four outs in every inning. (laughs) I don't get to hide behind, well, a baseball person said it to me. Right. Because I know it's not true. I mean, look, general managers are
1: the most educated people there is about their respective sport in their sport. If that makes sense. Right. I mean, the, the football general managers are the most educated, but I don't know why we're under the impression that they're always going to say exactly what they think. Right. I mean, we see it with Mike Elias and this is a, a diversion here, but Mike Elias is a king of not saying right. what he actually thinks and telling you, you know, telling people um, the exact truth behind everything. And that's not to say he's lying. And that's not to say all of these NFL GMs are lying. But it's to say that they're not 100%
2: telling you what they actually think. But that it's not even that. I, I mean, I. It it might be it might be there's a bunch of guys, but I don't think that's true I, again when you're at the highest levels of reporting for the mm. most part you have pretty good relationships and you can feel yeah. who's giving you BS I'm saying I think it's completely I, I I give this as an example when Lamar Jackson was drafted by the Baltimore Ravens I happened to get a call for an unrelated reason from a current from a uh i Another head coach in the NFL. Okay. Not John Harbaugh. Mm -hmm. A different head coach in the NFL. It was for an unrelated reason that this person called me. We had the conversation that we had, and then at the end of the conversation, this person said to me, dude, what the F are they doing? We all laughed when they drafted Lamar. I I couldn't believe it. I started getting texts from everyone else in the league that were like, these guys are nuts. Mm -hmm. That has existed. Those opinions have existed. Yeah. And there is something. It's very difficult for anyone who does this at a high level to simply say, I'm wrong or I was wrong.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's it. That's it. That's what it is.
2: I don't doubt that Diana Rossini has spoken, whether it's general managers, coaches, whoever it is that her sources are, Mm -hmm. owners, that she's spoken to people who have that opinion. Well, I'd never pay that guy. I never would. That guy's a gimmick. It's not going to work. His running ability is going to go away. I don't doubt that those people exist. But if I'm Diana Rossini, I need to be able to think critically and say, well, yes, those opinions do exist, we also have these facts. Right. Right. It's evading facts. I need to, to tell you that here's what I've been told. Here's what I've heard. But obviously that doesn't mesh with some of the things we've actually seen right. from Lamar Jackson. But that makes for very boring television. It doesn't make for a clip that's likely to get people angry or the people that agree with it. They, they operate with don't present both sides of the argument sure again there's a reason why we're here because that's the show i do i do the show where i say i don't have the answers i don't know let's talk about it i don't know
1: i think cherry picking to fit the narrative one way or the other has become almost too prevalent in the arguments that a lot of people are making today where you're saying okay um, I heard this from maybe one or two GMs, and that's just fact now, right? Like, you're, you're just turning this into fact. And it's the same. I'm not saying Warren Sharp is at all wrong because I agree with Warren Sharp in the scenario, but even saying, I'm picking out those three stats and saying here's where Lamar Jackson excels as a passer is also cherry-picking, as you mentioned, in its own regard. But I, I think there's we need to find the common ground between the middle of them where we accept fact, but then we also accept what GMs have said because they are you know an incredibly reputable well, and, and- uh, source. (laughs) By
2: the way, it might if one of the things that I brought up right is if the real problem with Lamar is that the reason why he's not negotiating is he was so he was so bothered by the first number the Ravens presented that he just said the hell with it. Mm -hmm. I've said back, I don't understand why he doesn't demand a trade. I've said that a billion times. If the problem here really is the Ravens are not treating him correctly, why wouldn't he demand a trade? The quarterbacks have all the leverage. I keep talking about this with my buddy Greg Rosenthal, who I do the tennis show with. By the way, Zverev just got a break in the second set. I'm not happy about that. Um, another break. He's up by a break. Um, Greg Rosenthal says all the time, well, yeah, but you don't... He, he probably wants to be in Baltimore, mm-hmm. doesn't want to rock the boat, and free agency presents the ultimate leverage, to which I, I have said eternally, the leverage is there now. Right. We have seen this. Deshaun Watson is proof. He was untouchable. He was th- in the worst negotiating situation anybody could possibly be in. And he managed to get a team to give up multiple first round picks and a guaranteed contract. Mm-hmm. Because you have to have a quarterback. Yeah. Because in this league, if you have no quarterback, you have nothing. So it's my belief that the quarterbacks have the entirety of the leverage. So if Lamar Jackson really is being disrespected by the Ravens, then I have not understood why it is that he wouldn't demand, okay, just trade me. If you don't want to give me that, find out who will. Go trade me. It's a great question. And the response could be that what Diana Rossini is saying is relevant. That there isn't the appetite for a Lamar Jackson trade throughout the NFL that there was for Deshaun Watson, despite the fact that Deshaun Watson was toxic as a person. That there are too many general managers who hold the opinion that they believe Lamar Jackson is a gimmick, so they won't trade for him. Now, that's insane. I can't. I find it hard to believe. But it would be relevant. You could find a way to say, look, I'm telling you, Lamar Jackson can't hold out. Lamar Jackson can't demand a trade mm-hmm. because I'm talking to teams around the league. There is not a Deshaun Watson market for Lamar Jackson. I would think that would be nuts if I was uh, yeah. if I was a fan of the Carolina Panthers. I'd be <laughs> beside myself at the idea that the Carolina Panthers wouldn't be willing to step up to the plate to try to go get Lamar Jackson. They should it be available on the open market? But that's Again, not germane to the point. The point being, if that's true, then that's relevant. Right. Present that. But presenting, well, Lamar Jackson is just viewed as a running quarterback, you have the obligation to say, and that makes no sense. Because look at all of the evidence that we have to the contrary. And it's, there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, we've got a concern about how Lamar Jackson played against the Blitz, and we've got to figure out what's going on there. I mean, the Ravens do. The Ravens have to figure that out. Yeah. But presenting the same crap
1: I mean, I'm sure that in some way the general managers can cherry pick issues about every single guy, right? I mean, you can say that Aaron Donald said before the Super Bowl last year that, right. "Oh, I might retire if we win the Super Bowl." And you, as a general manager, you could say, "I don't want to trade for that guy because he said he might retire, and right. I'm not sure how committed he is to the game, or whatever." You can find these issues with all these guys, right? I, I think with well, but they're trying to say the
2: the issue uniquely is his style of play, right? right? And
1: and that's not and that's not a. It's not a relevant argument, frankly. When you look at the number of wins that Lamar Jackson has brought to Baltimore. The evidence is overwhelming. Right, It's It's just
2: overwhelming. It's overwhelming. All right. Um, I'm sorry. I did not. I really didn't because I don't like shining any sort of light. Just ignore it. Ignore it. Frankly, it doesn't matter in the long run. It's not going to affect anything. Stop watching (laughs) these shows. Stop giving them more attention. doesn't help. All right, we come back in. We'll get a tidbit, we'll get Tubular to wind down, wind down for the week of Glenn Clark Radio.
0: That first sip, that first bite, start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night.
2: Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener flash fried pork belly with our popular Korean number no. two sauce, and take a bite out of the crunch burger topped with home run sauce, white American cheese, and house made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill, glorydaysgrill.com to find out more great food, good sports.
7: The 2022 baseball season is in full swing and the future is brighter than ever for your Baltimore Orioles. I'm Paul Valley, And I'm Zach Goodman. And together we bring you the bat around every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon with everything you need to know about the Orioles and baseball as a whole. From veterans like Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes, and Ryan Mountcastle. To young stars like Adley Rutschman, Grayson Rodriguez, and D.L. Hall. We've got you covered for every game, every pitch, and every debut. You can watch us at YouTube.com slash online and Facebook.com slash Sports, Or you can listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. So join us live on the bat every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon right here at PressBox Sports.
2: The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out BuyAToyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today.
7: It's statistically proven that the show sounds better if you're not wearing pants. Like me. Right
1: now, you're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutchman diving into where his passion for catching and baseball came from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles' organization. Also inside, Bo Smokela takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress this season. And Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike shashevsky that all Maryland fans can appreciate. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens and Terps at pressboxonline.com. And
2: only about a week and a half left for you to get that print issue before uh it will come off newsstands and we will have a new one that um I'll wait till next week and I'll tell you a little bit more about a very special issue of Pressbox that'll be available here in June. All right, as we wind down for a Friday edition of the program, Why don't we go ahead and get a tidbit? Tidbit of the day is brought to you by Simply the Bets. Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 11.40 a.m., which is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. And if you missed yesterday, Weekend at Bookies. We do that every Thursday morning at 11.40 a.m. You can find yesterday's show wherever it is that you get your podcasts or, of course, um, going to YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline.com every other Thursday morning for Weekend at Bookies, every Tuesday morning for Simply the Bets, 11.40 a.m. as we try to help you make some money. What you got today?
1: So the Baltimore Orioles will face off against the Cleveland Guardians tonight. Um, This is going to be the first series that they have faced off against in this season. The Orioles against the Cleveland Guardians all-time are 873 and 1,150. So they have a considerable losing record against the Cleveland Guardians all-time. But Glenn... I want to test your Cleveland Guardians knowledge. Oh, good. Your knowledge yeah, on you. the all-time oh, greats de- great. of, the, of the Cleveland great. Guardians. This is
2: definitely right up my alley. <laughs> I, thi- I, think oh, you'll, I think you'll do okay. I went to an Orioles-Guardians okay. Indians game a couple years ago, and two of the funniest things I've ever – this I was telling you about I went to the Christmas Story house. It was mm-hmm. uh, our friend Patrick Stevens, who joins us every Tuesday. He coerced me. Patrick is a bobblehead collector. Okay. And so he coerced me into a trip to Cincinnati and Cleveland mm-hmm. by pointing out that the ATP tour Cincinnati stop was the same weekend. Okay. So we flew into Columbus on a Saturday morning. I spent my Saturday afternoon watching tennis in Cincinnati. And <laughs> Saturday night, we got a Scott Schebler bobblehead. Okay. Straight shoot. At a Reds, I don't know. Yeah, I, don't, I was gonna I, don't, say. I, think, I wouldn't think they were playing the Giants or something like that. The Reds-Giants game then went back to columbus that night sunday morning woke up went to the christmas story house and then went to an uh, indians or guardians Orioles game lovely little weekend really i mean there was sure, a lot sure. was, there was a lot going on the i i got to find this there was a t-shirt that was one of the it, it was a cleveland indians t-shirt that said something like i kneel for the cross and stand for the anthem <laughs> and it was it had the most racist indians oh like imagery all over it that oh you could boy. possibly imagine and i just i i asked the gentleman cuz he definitely thought that i liked i was like sir could i please take a photo of your t-shirt and <laughs> send it out into the world cuz i just said this guy genuinely believes he is the salt of the earth like he yeah. is walking around today, thinking that he's got everything figured out. Um, the other thing was, they they had the national anthem that day was performed by a mascot dressed up as a bottle of ketchup. It was wow. one of the top things I've ever seen in my entire. Maybe that life. guy's
1: gonna be part of our trivia. Who knows? I said, Who knows?
2: I said, thankfully, this gentleman will not will not kneel for this very <laughs> respectful performance of wow. our national anthem by a guy dressed up as a bottle of ketchup wow <laughs> yeah it was a heck of a day wow anyway sorry go ahead
1: all right so let's see what you know i'm looking at a list right now of the top 10 offensive war leaders all time for the <laughs> cleveland guardians how many can you name i'm expecting about five there are five that you definitely I mean, know okay so let's
2: see what you can do uh i'm gonna guess jim tomey is pretty high on the list jim
1: tomey number fifty-two two point
2: two gotta be honest with you i'm a little bit surprised he's not higher on the list
1: there's some guys <laughs> maybe that you might not know of <laughs> that are well, that, that I mean, I'm not I, expecting I, you to I, get. I, I, well,
2: I, and I, I've got a few in the barrel of guys that... There are, there are many here you should. Let's just put that out there. Um,
1: and this goes a long way back. This is not only Cleveland Guardians, Indians. I mean, this is even before right, that. Right. Uh,
2: I'm going to say Kenny Lofton is on Kenny the Kenny Lofton, number okay. eight
1: at 38.8 war.
2: I'm, guess. I'm guessing manny ramirez did not stick around long enough Oof. in order to make the list
1: he missed it by point 0.9 yeah he's number 11 oh, that's still pretty remarkable yeah
2: has jose ramirez cracked
1: the top 10? sure has he's number 10 at 34.7 all right now those are
2: I, is there anybody else uh, recent or, yeah yeah no okay <laughs> we've got some 60s 50s little, players, players and before get tricky
1: but there are uh, multiple Hall of Famers on this list that you have not mentioned.
2: Larry Doby.
1: Larry Doby. Um, and I've got to pull up his number. He is at number 7 at
2: 40.4. Nap LaJoy.
1: Number 2, 68.5. You're doing good, Glenn. Doing good.
2: I can't remember if he played. In- this is the problem. There's somebody who I want to say, but I just don't remember <laughs> if he played in Cleveland or not. That's uh, why not? You can guess it. Rocky Calavito. He is not here. I don't. No, he might list. not have played in Cleveland. That's that might be the issue there. I don't know why. <laughs> that, I've could that could be. That could be Associated him with Cleveland, and he just might hmm. not. Oh yeah, he is on here at twenty-one point
1: seven. Uh, he's number thirty-five on this list. All right, so he did play in Cleveland. He did. I've he got, did. got. I've got that going. For he's me. tied with Estrubal Cabrera. So whatever, for whatever it's worth. Yeah, Esteban Cabrera was a nice little player.
2: Sure, sure. Wasn't Rocky Calavito in the Hall of Fame? Let's check that out. He
1: is not, but a sure. nine-time All-Star. So that's kind of a may, maybe a snub. Yeah. Three hundred seventy-four. Well, I don't know wins. if he's
2: got the same war as a Drupal <laughs> <Druble> Cabrera. <laughs> Just for Cleveland, though. Just for Cleveland. Oh, and he was only in Cleveland for five years. So there you go. All right. Right, right. Um, There's another one that I don't know if he was actually in Cleveland or
1: not. <laughs> uh, There's a lot of Hall of Famers still left to get here. Oh, great. Let's put that out there. Great.
2: Uh, God. This is what I'm really struggling with. Because <laughs> it's, it's for, for, from a while ago. There, yes, yes.
1: I mean, one of them, there's a few of them I don't expect you to get. Great, great. Um, I will say one of them is ultra-famous, like ultra, ultra-famous. Like considered one of the better players of all time.
2: Was Tris Speaker? Tris in Speaker. Okay. Seventy-one War at number one. This might be the the extent of the list of what I get. <laughs> Let
1: me know when you give up, and I'll I'll get you the rest of them.
2: And everything else is like pre nineteen ninety. Yes. Yes. So Albert Bell's not on the list. Albert uh,
1: Bell is not, but he's at number sixteen. Oh, close.
2: Not that far off. Uh, I I don't know that I'm going to get anybody. I. I'm going to end up embarrassing myself okay. here. Go ahead. Fair enough. So Eddie Matthews. Is num- he ever
1: in Cleveland? Eddie Matthews, I don't believe so, right. and he's not okay. up here. But Earl Averill at 54.1 <laughs> war. Apparently I, I, don't, I
2: legitimately don't know who that is.
1: Apparently a Hall of Famer I Um, <laughs> at number three. We have Lou Bordeaux oh, at sure. number five with 49.8, also a Hall of Famer. Could have been here all day. Uh, this one I, I thought you may get Joe Sewell. Um, I mm-hmm. thought you may get right. uh, at 40.4, or 46.4, excuse me. Okay. Uh, and then Shoeless Joe Jackson at number nine. Uh, pe- played
2: in Cleveland to start I his be career. You, I did not know Shoeless Joe Jackson was I, ever in Cleveland.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think everyone knows him as a Chicago White Sox because of, you know, what he did. Obvious reasons. Uh, for <laughs> obvious reasons. Um, but yeah, was in Cleveland for uh, six years. So not bad, Glenn. Not actually, b- better than I expected. I did not expect you to get NAP. That was a good one. Even though the team is named after him for a little
2: while. Uh, That's true. That is a good point. Um, Wild. Wild list. (laughs) Wild list. (laughs) It is. I like it. I've been here all day. All right. Very good. Uh, Totally Tubular brought to you today by um, the Live Casino and Hotel, the FanDuel Sportsbook. Best place to be for game two of the finals on Sunday night. Eight o'clock start for game two. And if you want to reserve your spot, big crowd last night. There's going to be another big crowd on Sunday. You want to make sure you have your own table. You want to make sure you have your own set of reclining chairs for you, your friends, maybe some colleagues that you're bringing out. Email events at sportssocialmd.com in order to make sure your spots are reserved for game two of the finals on Sunday night. 61 self-service kiosks in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. A lot going on this weekend. I'll give you uh, the highlights. I'll give you the stuff that (laughs) matters. Today, they're still on the first semifinal in Paris. Second set, back on serve, Nadal and Zverev. Winner of that on Sunday. That's on Tennis Channel and NBC now. Mer- Marin Chilich and Kasper Rude. Not nearly as anticipated as the second semifinal. Winner of this one, winner of that one. Sunday morning, 9 a.m. for the final on NBC. The women's final is tomorrow. Iga Sviantec and Coco Gauff 9 a.m. on NBC. Orioles hosting the Guardians all weekend. Tonight at 7 on Mass and 2, Shane Bieber and Bruce Zimmerman. So you have that potential for the Towson Towson yes, matchup tonight. Yes. Zimmerman against Palacios. Please play Palacios. I would like to hope that they would do that. Tomorrow, Tristan McKenzie and Tyler Wells at 4 o'clock. And on Sunday at 1.30, Zach Plesak. And this would be a bullpen game again on Sunday, I'm guessing.
1: That's probably what we'll... Yeah, Brian Baker maybe. Yeah, we'll would
2: be the likely scenario. Who pitched well last night. It was a weird game last night. We didn't even talk about the game because we were talking about Grayson the entire time. Um, yeah,
1: I'd rather not talk about it. Well, it's a bummer because <laughs> they lost. But it was a wild game. Like There was just a lot happening. There man. was. And uh, the shift... Took away another one from from yeah. our good friend Adley Rutschman. Yeah, that's
2: tough. Well, That won't be an issue in the future, but um, will not. this year it's going to continue to be an issue. All right, uh, NCAA baseball tournament this afternoon. Coppin State, East Carolina at 1 on ESPN+. Then tonight, Maryland hosts LIU at 7. The tournament continues throughout the weekend. It's double elimination at all regionals, so I'll try to update it as much as possible, but there will be games tomorrow in College Park. Coppin State, even if they lose today, will get the opportunity to play another one to stay alive tomorrow as well god i am really just limping limping we're getting it. We're to getting the finish it. line i I am supposed to be the announcer for the baltimore 10 miler tomorrow Whew. like i at some point i'm gonna have to call them and say And that's
1: like a long thing right this, this is that goes, me yeah hours yeah I mean,
2: like it's a it's a five hour event yeah i'm gonna have to call and say look i need you to know this is what, i don't want to show up tomorrow <laughs> i feel very bad about it a friend booker corrigan uh, wrote me into it i just feel awful Uh, NBA Finals Game 2, as I mentioned, Sunday night on ABC. Tonight, Game 2 of the Eastern Conference Finals in the NHL, Lightning Rangers at 8 o'clock on ESPN. Tomorrow on TNT, Game 3 of the Western Conference Finals between the Avalanche and Oilers at 8. And on Sunday, it's in the afternoon for Game 3 of the Eastern Conference Finals for the Rangers and Lightning on ESPN. All right. I I don't know. I don't know if I can make it through anything else. Look, (laughs) that's what matters. Everything else, go to glenclarkradio.com. Go ahead. Give me some non-sports if you can find anything.
1: Uh, well, I was going to say The Boys is back oh, I am excited about uh, that on Amazon Prime. 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 Video. That's right. Uh, we got the season two premiere of a show on Apple TV Plus called Physical tonight. I've never heard that's of that one. That's not a thing. But some people might like it, you never know. Nope. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no chance. No one. Um on Saturday, we have uh a replay of Saturday nope. Night Live, nope. which is we'll, no fun we'll share replays. No fun. Um and that's about it. There's not a lot good uh,
2: going on this I'm weekend. very excited about The Boys. Um yeah, I mean, and people that have watched it already have said it's a very good. If you haven't watched The Boys, it is it is it's sort of like a superhero satire, okay. but it's also a significant commentary about like the country it is an incredible show it is incredible i mean excellent if you like um what is her name Aya cash i believe is her name who's on um i'm not aware of who that is she was on this show oh god oh for god's sakes welcome to flatch is the show that she's on currently on fox Mm. which is great and i can't believe they picked it up for a second season because it just seems like a type of show that they give a chance to and then just say nah we're good um, but they're giving <laughs> the second season it's excellent okay and she was in uh, you're the worst on fx which was excellent she's now part of the cast of the boys the boys is really good it really awesome is really good so i'm looking forward to that
1: there's a new episode of barry as well oh on uh, hbo on HBO sunday, on sunday.
2: Yeah. so there's that i think people <sighs> like that show they do they, i haven't i it's not a show i've been able to spend time with and i need to i haven't
1: either but I, i've heard about it i
2: was gonna say i've heard a lot of people talk about it gotta get on that this summer I finished uh, Shorezy. I'm excited about that. I finished oh, uh, boy. all six episodes of Shorzy. Ha-
1: have you seen Stranger Things yet?
2: I have not yet. I oh, haven't. man. I Ugh. I can't decide. Because I'm not in as much of a rush because they did the two-part thing.
1: Yeah, I don't love that. So <laughs>
2: because the second part is coming in July, I feel like I've got some time. Yeah. So I might go to the boys first before I go to Stranger Things. I will watch it. I promise you that. Mm-hmm. And I will watch it before the second part of the season Uh, is on Netflix, but I might buy myself a little bit of time before I do watch it. It's like an
1: 11 out of 10. It's that good. I'm
2: I'm excited about it. Incredible. Although I've said before, I prefer the coming of age part of Stranger Things to the sci-fi part of Stranger Things. Fair enough. And last season was almost entirely sci-fi and very little coming of age. The sci-fi is good. Mm -hmm. It's just not my thing. I won't spoil anything for you, so I'm not going to get into it.
1: I would like but to it's be able great
2: to, I would like to be able to breathe again at some point I really am <laughs> hey um, thanks today to RJ Anderson from CBSSports.com thanks also to Terry Hasseltine the executive director of Maryland Sports we'll get it up in the greatest hits section of the Urge tab hacks. at GlennClarkRadio.com hey Zach thank you for all your help this week I know it was a Glad tough to help. week I know we had a lot of things go <laughs> wrong but appreciate all your help you guys are going to be off tomorrow on the bat around but all back tomorrow. next Saturday yes bat around not tomorrow guys are off just a lot going on. Been a tough week. Next Saturday, the boys are the boys are back in town. <laughs> Next Saturday, the boys are back. That's good for your uh, congestion. Uh, actually, going going <laughs> to that octave does help. Thank you to Zach. Thank, and you're on Twitter, of course. Z Goodman twenty. Yes, sir. I figured it out. I, I know oh, it's That's it yeah,
1: awesome. I love it.
2: Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. He's back with us on Monday. Thanks to Ryan at Rexx Ryan. Thanks to all of our great sponsors and partners, everybody at Pressbox, as well as all the folks at Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, the Baltimore Police, Great Eights Memorabilia, the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the Baltimore Orioles, your local Toyota dealer, buy a Toyota.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Glenn Clark Radio. We'll see you on Monday. Hopefully, I'll be able to talk again by that point. Reed and I on Sunday on 1057 The Fan from 1 to 4. Uh, who's joining us on Sunday? Dalen Hayes, of the Baltimore Ravens okay. is joining us and uh, I believe Marvin Lewis is actually going to join us. Wow. I was trying to get him on when he was in town for the, uh, the, the Ravens uh, 30 for 30 thing. Mm-hmm. He couldn't do last week, so we just said it's always a good time to catch up with Marvin Lewis, of and course. We'll catch up with him on Sunday. Love Marvin Lewis. And I think we're going to talk some uh, NBA finals with Monica McNutt from ESPN, so a busy show on Sunday Sounds on 105.7 The Fan. All right, have a great weekend. Go uh, Birds, go Maryland baseball, go Coppin' baseball. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too.